0: Hashem HaShem good to be at the Breslov Center in Aventura, thank you for coming. Oh Hashem, we had a lot of uh, distractions right before the Shiur, so it was this is a good sign that the Shiur will actually be interesting. So, we had an amazing trip in New York, met a lot of people, some old people that we've met in the past, some new people that, Baruch Hashem, have been following us online, Learning Torah, doing Tshuva. We had the privilege of being part of another conversion. Am Yisrael increased by another one last week. It was uh, such a uh, pleasure to see the Dayanim impressed with a student. Where they continued asking questions. Saying, listen, we don't really need to know all this stuff that we're asking you. But we're so impressed with how much you know, that we just want to know where it stops. So it turned from being like a 5-10 minute session to an hour and a half, maybe almost 2 hours of questioning just to see where the limit is. It was like a chavuta. There's learning Torah and you uh, you get to see when someone is really serious about Torah, when someone is really serious about Kvod Hashem, about the honor of Hashem, when someone is serious about fulfilling what Hashem said, there's no limit. In a matter of months, somebody can turn from nothing into... Something major. The problem is with most of us is that when we see a project, we look at it the wrong way. First and foremost, we think that the project and the outcome of the project is our responsibility. That's the first mistake. Your responsibility is to do. What happens? It's Hashem's business. Your responsibility to give somebody a CD. costs you one dollar. You give him the CD. If he listens to it, doesn't listens to it. If he agrees with it, doesn't agree with it, that's that's not your business. But one time I heard a uh, famous actor, Johnny Depp. You know, in the days I was secular, I used to watch TV once in a while. And he was on a talk show. And uh, the guy, David Letterman, asked him, So, um, did you watch this uh, movie before it came out? Meaning his own movie. And he says, no. He goes, what do you mean? You didn't watch your own movie? He goes, I never watched any of my own movies. He says, what do you mean? You're an actor. Why don't you watch your own movies? And he says something that stuck with me and that's I say, uh, relevant to us now. He says, it's none of my business. Now in those days, no one understood. The crowd laughed. What a quirky, strange guy. But even... The goyim can have some divrei chokhmah that they can say whether it's intentional or intentional is irrelevant. The point is that when credit, uh, you know, someone deserves credit, you give them credit. And the reality of it is that it really in life, the outcome of all of your projects is none of your business. Especially when it comes to the honor of Hashem, especially when it comes to the servicing of Hashem. Whether someone is going to listen to the CD that you made, or the CD that you sponsored, or the CD that you gave and delivered, whether someone's going to show up to the lecture that you invited them to, all of that is none of your business. What's your business is 150% effort all the time. Whether you are going to succeed in your business or not has nothing to do with you. Hashem will decide if he wants to give you money, he'll give you money. If he doesn't want to give you money, there's nothing you can do to override Hashem's decree. With the exception of one thing that may give you the ability to override Hashem's decree, which we'll talk about later today, but it's something that you're all familiar with. Now, when we're looking at things in that particular perspective, everything changes. Why? Because all of a sudden the project looks smaller. All of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, I'm only responsible to go to work. How beautiful the building ends up being, whether someone's gonna actually show up and rent an office there or not, whether people are gonna come, not gonna come, whether we're gonna have a candle fall right five minutes before the lecture and delay the lecture by another half hour. It's not my business. My business is to show up, to do my best effort. That's my business. So already the project just got smaller and it looks like it's much more attainable. I could do this, I could show up to a lecture. I could give somebody a CD, tell them what's on a CD, explain to them what he said. The guy came from Wall Street, he got sick, he got married, he got this, he got that. That's hard. But give him a CD, I could give him. A dollar, I could sponsor. That's easy. Gets the bigger things. Oh, it's too much for me. Hashem, it's your business. So already you know, 90% of the job is not yours. Your job is showing up. That's the same goes with every day, really, which we'll go over in a second. Now, at the end of every mishnah, which we finished the uh, Perik Aleph, we finished the first chapter, if you will, of uh, Avot in New York. And at the end of every chapter, you say the same thing, the same thing that you say at the end of every Shi'u Torah, Rabbi Chania Ben Akasha Omer. Israel, Torah and mitzvot, tzitko, Torah Rabbi Chanina ben Akashia, Rabbi Chanina, the son of Akashia, his father's name was Akashia, says, the Holy One, blessed is he, wished to confer merit upon Israel. Therefore he gave them Torah and mitzvot in abundance. As it is said... Hashem desired for the sake of, its, uh, of Israel's righteousness, that the Torah be made great and glorious. So here, we say this at the end of Sheolet Torah, we say this at the end of finishing a uh, Masechet, or finishing a uh, chapter. We say this very, very often. There's a uh, Chazal, Divrei Chazal, the ma'amal that says that the reason why we mention Rabbi Hanenah is because he didn't have the merit of having children or bringing children to the world, but he was such a holy man that in his merit, the Torah that we're learning is in essence one of his, uh, you know, p- partly his, his, uh, his result, his child. You learn Torah, you produce good, you produce angels, you produce more chidushim, You bring more good to the world. That may have a good outcome that you see and you have the merit to see in your own life. But in reality, the biggest thing that's going to happen is going to be down the road. What you do today, you may have the benefit and the merit to see the result and the outcome of what you do today. But in reality, you're going to know what's going to happen and how big it was 100 years from now, 200 years from now. Like for example, a little over 200 years ago when a uh, guy that called himself a rabbi said, you know what, I think it's a good idea for our children to go to secular university and learn. Learn things like the goyim. You know, they can learn Torah, but keep that at home. Be a Jew at home. Outside, be a human. Be like everybody else. And we should send them to secular university Send them to Harvard, send them to Yale, send them to this, send them to that. And I think that's what we should do with our kids. This obviously was not that Torah. This is not a, an opinion of the Torah. An opinion of the Torah is the purpose of why you came to this world, is to learn Torah, to fulfill it, and not necessarily to put yourself in harm's way, where you are, in essence, going to steer away from it, especially as a young person that doesn't necessarily have a strong spine yet. If it's someone that's already married, kids, is, already has a personality developed where he could, in essence, choose for himself based on his own opinion and not necessarily based on peer pressure, you may have something to talk about. But if it's someone that's 16, 17, 18 years old, is very, very easily influenced, very naive, it's not usually the best idea to set him to the wolves and say, oh, listen, survive. Good luck. Well, this Rabbi said, okay, nothing bad's going to happen out of it. Well, as you would see, he actually had the merit to see what happened in his life, but we have the unfortunate merit to see what happened 250 years later. His merit is seven out of his eight kids married Goyim. He had eight kids, seven of them married Goyim, married, seven of them intermarried and became Goyim themselves. And 250 years later, approximately, the Rabbis that follow his way are now giving bar mitzvahs to dogs, a little bit far off the original orthodox path that we started at 250 years ago, today it's called reform, today it's called reform, some call it conservative, some even call it an uh, open orthodox, it's a new thing that started about 20 years ago. But it's getting popular now. They call it Open Orthodox. They like the Orthodox name, but they added something to it. A little little bit of change. What's the little remix? What's the little remix? They said Open Orthodox. What does it mean Open Orthodox? Open Orthodox meaning that we're open to new ideas. So if the rabbi is a woman, we're open to that. If the rabbi is homosexual, we're open to that. If there is... Any new ideas, we're open to all of it. But we're orthodox. What keeps them orthodox, I don't know. But we're open to it. So when people make a joke out of something, unfortunately, K'vod Hashem, the honor of Hashem, is lost. And one of the main excuses that people use is, oh, listen, the Torah is too difficult, it's not relevant. It's too difficult for our generation. It's too this, it's too that. It's actually answered by Rabbi Hanina. It's actually something that if you go to Beknesset on a regular basis, or you learn Torah on a regular basis, you'll hear the actual answer on a regular basis, but you'll forget that you're actually hearing the answer. You're not going to pay attention to it. Because sometimes the answer, and what you're looking for, the treasure, can be right in front of your eyes, but you can't see it. Like Hagal. Hagal. Was, with, uh, was kicked out by Avraham Avinu, her and son. She left him, she left uh, Ishmael alone to die. And says so she distanced herself the distance of an arrow. What does it mean, an arrow? Meaning that Ishmael really wanted to kill her. And he was a sharpshooter. So she distanced herself farther than what he could shoot an arrow. Mother Hashem was scared of her son but anyway she prayed to Hashem Hashem sent her angels and next thing you know whoop, there's a well in the middle of the desert Why there was no well before? no the well was there she just didn't see it sometimes the treasure is right in front of you but you have to have the merit to see it so I've heard this Rabbi Hanina many many times but until I really learned it I never understood what's the, what's the what are we hearing this for? Hashem the Holy One blessed is He Wanted to give Am Yisrael a merit, so he gave them more mitzvot. If you think about it, wait a minute. If he really wanted to give us a merit, if he really wanted, if he really really loved us, give us one mitzvah. One mitzvah, you go to Gan Eden. Keep Shabbat, keep kosher, say Shema Yisrael. One mitzvah, that's it. We we'll go to, go to Gan Eden. Doesn't that mean he that doesn't? That show that he loves us more? Makes it easy for us to get to Gan Eden? You think yes, no? Who agrees? Okay, we have one brave person that says yes. The rest of you are still in denial. I heard it. I agreed. Until you understand the purpose of the mitzvot. Each and every single mitzvah that you do is another way for you to connect to Hashem. Now Hashem being the source of all good. The foundation of good. All, the only reason why He created you is not because He needs you, but rather to give you good. But there has to be a system of justice. Meaning that there has to be a reason to give you good. Because to just give you good, without you earning it, eventually you're going to hate the good. This is the Chazal explains to us that before the souls came to this world, Hashem gave us all the goodness and after a while we felt like we don't deserve it. So we started hating it. We started suffering from the good. What is it like if, let's say, for example, your favorite food is steak. Favorite food is steak. Now the reason why your favorite food is steak is because you probably eat it, you know, once a day, three times a week. But if I said, listen, from now on that's the only thing you're going to eat. No rice, no potatoes, no candy, no milk, no nothing. All you do from morning to night, you're eating steak. Breakfast, steak. Lunch, steak. Dinner, steak. Lunch, again, steak. Midnight snack, steak. What kind of steak? Steak. What kind of steak do you want? The steak one. Okay, so we'll have steak. Now after a day or two, yeah, you're not that excited about a steak. Well, you're idiot. After a week... You don't really like it that much. After two weeks, you hate it. After a month, just the word steak makes you want to vomit. But it's good, it was good a month ago, nothing changed, the flavor is still the same. Is that unless something is given to you with care and with tact, it gets to a point where it becomes disgusting. This is also one, one of the many, many reasons why tarat mishpacha, family purity, is very, very important to a family, where Hashem says for approximately half the month, a little less than half the month, a man and his wife have to be separated, they're not allowed to be intimate. After a wife has the period, she has to wait, and then she has to count seven clean days, and then eventually she's able to go to the mikveh, And then she's able to be with a husband during approximately half the month, or maybe eighteen days out of the month approximately. Give or take, again, different women have different times. But nonetheless, I'll say on the average it's twelve days off, eighteen days on. That's what it usually is. Sometimes more, sometimes less. Now, in the secular mindset, this seems terrible. Secular mindset is wisdom. Wait a minute. I'm 25 years old. I just got married. I want my wife all the time. Not sometimes, all the time. Excited, I'm this, I'm that. All the time. Why should Hashem limit me if He already created her and created me and we got married, we had a chuppah, we had kiddushin, we had this, we had that. Let us be together. Because the point is not to just be together now. The point is to be together forever. And because Hashem knows that part of our way, part of mankind's way of showing love his affection, his intimacy, he wants the intimacy that you have when you first got married to be the same 60 years later. In fact, if you actually follow family purity the way it's supposed to be, your intimacy will actually increase in pleasure over 50 years, over 60 years. And the only people that could understand what I'm saying here is someone that actually did it seems like they're trying to cook me here so if anybody could give me the um, actually hand it up. it's a little hot so the key is to understand that there is a benefit of doing every one of the mitzvot huh yeah unless you want me to melt by the end of the shoe, yeah because I'll just have be good um, at some point I think I'll start getting shorter I don't have that much height to work with, guys, so help me out. So now, Hashem is telling us, listen, I want to give you good. All of these mitzvot are to your merit. All these mitzvot are to your benefit. You will benefit out of all of these mitzvot, because each time you do a mitzvah, you'll connect to me. Now, if you're just doing a mitzvah like a robot, then you're not connecting to Hashem, then you're just a robot. But if you start learning the foundation behind each and every single mitzvah, it starts earning a meaning all of a sudden you start feeling something. When you pray, if you just read the words and you don't understand a word that you're saying, you're just a robot. You start learning what the words say, and you see that most prayer is from te'ilim, it's from psalms. And if you actually understand one psalm, one te'ilim that David Melech said, and you don't cry, you should question whether you have a heart. If you actually understand what David Melech was experiencing behind each and every single psalm, he cry. Easily. And most of the prayers are from Psalms. Oh, but Hashem, I'm going to survive. I thought maybe I'm going to be punished heavenly for ruining the candle or something. I don't know. So Hashem is telling us here, each time I give you a mitzvah, I'm giving you another opportunity. What's the opportunity to? To connect to Hashem. Now in our journey of doing tshuva, Each one of us starts in a different way. Sometimes people watch a shiur that motivates them. And then they start continuing to watch shiur online. Sometimes people read a book. Motivates them. They start reading more books. Sometimes they meet somebody. That person motivates them. And so on to get started is the hard part it's hard hard to get started but after you start it's over it's okay you started already page 5 Hashem is telling us that He created the He created an evil inclination inside each one of us for someone that's not religious not connected to Hashem it sounds kind of silly to be honest with you, before I actually really did chuba, it sounded like a cartoon character to me. You know, you have a cartoon character. You have like the red guy on the left shoulder, and the you know, uh, the uh, angel, white guy on on the on, on, you know right shoulder. It's like this one says, "No, go, go," and the other one says, "No, stay here." And the red guy kind of seems like he's more fun too. That sounds like a cartoon character to me. Until you actually start learning and you start seeing, "Oh, we." Oui, Not believing in the Etsara means I already lost the battle. So the evil inclination is in each one of us. It influences to do influences us to do everything that's the opposite of what we're supposed to do. Meaning, you want to go to Shul all of a sudden you're tired. All of a sudden you get a phone call that's you've been waiting for all day. All of a sudden somebody shows up at your house that's unannounced and wants your attention. All of a sudden the kids crying. But if you say, listen, I want to go to the game. Nobody's in the way. Yeah, honey, go, go, enjoy. Your wife gives you a little lunch bag. You're all excited to go to the game. Nobody gets in the way of you going to the game. You want to go to Shil Torah? Shem If Amalek could come to your house and stop you, we'll do it. Going to the doctor, we're on time. Even though we know that the doctor is going to make us wait in the waiting room for an hour and a half, still on time. We're even early 15 minutes. The lawyer that charges three hour, three hundred dollars, four hundred dollars an hour just for his assistant. He uses an assistant. It's three hundred dollars an hour to him. Six, seven, eight hundred dollars an hour, maybe more. To him, he says, "Meaning at two o'clock, you go at two o'clock. You're there already at one forty-five. He's busy till three. You're sitting, standing over there like a little donkey. He starts at three o'clock. No complaints. Hey, yeah, thank you. I know you're busy. It's like you're giving them credit for being so busy for making you wait. I understand. I understand." thank you. And he's charging you for the 300 bucks for that for that hour that you waited in his, you know, read his magazine. It's worth something. You go to Shil Torah it doesn't start on time. Oh, come on, what kind of place? It's not organized, not professional. Making us wait 10 minutes? Making us wait an hour? Gets a uh, gets into your mind, convinces you to do the opposite of what you're supposed to do. Think the opposite of what you're supposed to think. So Hashem says that once in a while, listen, you're doing chuva. Yetzarah is gonna to come to you all the time. All the time, every day. You wake up in the morning, Yetzarah is there. Like one time, this Rav tells his students, like, listen, you have to come to the Shuh every day. We have tefillah at six o'clock in the morning. After tefillah is over at approximately 7 15, we have a shul For a half hour to get the day started. No, come on time. It's very hard for me to wake up in the morning. Says, yeah, but you have to pray. It's like, okay, okay, no, sir. Because yeah, but I'm watching YouTube videos. Shuret Torah. at 1 o'clock in the morning. So don't watch it at 1 o'clock in the morning. Watch it at 8. Yeah, but I'm in front of my pool at 8, eight o'clock. Okay, so switch. You don't have to be. Change your schedule. Why? Because you have to pray. Can't pray at noon. Okay, upset, upset be at the shield tomorrow. So the next morning, Tefillah starts at 6, he's not there. The Shiur starts at 7 15. He's not there. At 10 o'clock, he finally shows up. Rabbi says, No. Yetzarah yetzara is very strong. He goes, so beat him already. No, come on, beat him. You can do it. Okay, okay, fine. Tomorrow I'll be there. I'll beat the Yetzarah. The next day, he shows up at 12. Worse than the other day. No, what happened today? You never believe it. I actually beat the Yetzarah today. He goes, What do you mean? It's 12 o'clock? no, no, no. I actually woke up at 5. Knowing that I have to be here at 6, I woke up at 5. No. I got dressed. No. Everything was ready. No. 15 minutes before I leave, Yetzirah shows up. And what happened? I started fighting him. He told me to go back to sleep. I said, no. He told me to go back to sleep. I said, no. We're fighting. We're fighting. I'm punching. He's punching. This, that, the other thing. I beat him at 6 o'clock. I was ready. No, what happened? I was dead tired. I had to get some sleep. (laughs) So Sheva is telling you, Yetzirah is always going to be with you, every day, all the time. Now there's two different types of Yetzirah. One Yetzirah is going to be on a regular basis, ongoing basis, every day, all day. Waking up in the morning, learning Torah here and there, doing mitzvah, doing bracha before you eat, regular stuff, every day, every day, evil inclination. And then there's a different yetzarah. Yetzarah. That's like an atomic bomb on your head you go to work all of a sudden they hire a new assistant at the office and this new assistant all of a sudden she wants your attention you're married though and all of a sudden she wants you to show her around because she just moved into the area and be friendly platonic relationship More like atomic relationship. Atomic bomb. Because as soon as your wife realizes that you hung out with some girl from the office for an hour and a half after after work time or during work time or before work time or any time at all your marriage may be over. But you're not thinking about that at that moment. You're thinking about, ah, she's cute, she likes me I'm helping her out at the end of the day. I'm being such a nice guy I'm a tzaddik, chesed she's new in the area and she's a Goyim, huh? perfect look, it's Kiddush Hashem showing the Goyim how nice Jews are all of the justification in the world is going to come to you, he's going to tell you listen, you should take her out, show her around maybe even pay for a rent for a month or two Yetzirah is going to tell you all these different things but this is atomic bomb so the Gemara Maseh page 5, says, if the Satan comes to you this way, with this atomic bomb, then you do what we talked about in previous shiurim. First, you say, Kriyat Shema. Then you learn some Torah, and then you remind yourself of the day you're going to die. Simple explanation of all three. He says, first, remind yourself there's a God. Say, Kriyat Shema. Shema Hashem, I remember there's a God. It's watching me. There's an eye that sees an ear that hears everything that we're doing is being written in a book it's previous week's, last week's Mishnah last week's Shul we did it in New York Shema Yisrael, I remind you there's a God that's watching you eventually you're going to have to pay the bill my friend maybe your wife's not going to find out but Hashem knows maybe your wife's not going to find out but the demons you're creating they also know the mitzvah you're trying to make is no mitzvah at all, my friend. You're destroying your eternity with this chesed. So say kriatchmah. Sometimes not enough though. Sometimes it's not enough. Maybe somebody's connection to Hashem is not that strong for him to even put himself in that situation already shows Kriatchmah may not be enough. He's not that strong. He's very vulnerable. He watches a few things with some immodesty on the internet, so he always thought about this thing being, uh, you know, exotic. All the are in his head that show him in movies, he wants to be like a character in a movie. So kiachma is not going to be enough of him. So go, go, go. Run. Go learn some Torah. Read something. Open a Sefer Teinim. Open a Chumash. Open a Gemara. This is why every one of you should always have something. Some Sefer Kodesh with you at all times. At all times, get ready. Satan's coming. Read something. What do you mean read? I can't even focus. All I can see is this blonde-haired, blue-eyed girl that wants my attention. You want me to read Torah? Okay, maybe that's not going to be enough for you. So he says, remind him of the day he's going to die. Why? No one likes to think about death. Even though if you read the Torah, whether you read the five books of Moses, or you read Taylim. Oh, you read any of the sages' books, any of the prophets, this constant talk of death. Not because Amishai is a morbid nation, Chazur Shalom. It's not that we like death, but we think of death as just a transition. From Alma de Shikra, from the world of lies to the world of truth. It's a transition, it's not an end. So if you think of it that way, then your end is really only the beginning. But a beginning of what is the question? So when someone thinks about it, say, oh, wait a minute, there's going to be a day that I have to start paying the bill. I'm going to have to go, before I start this eventual new beginning, I have to pay the bill. I have to go show up in front of the judge, the king of kings. He's going to tell me about all the things that I did. I don't have to tell him, he already knows. He's going to ask me, did you conduct your business with faith? Did you have emunah in your business? What do you mean you conduct your business with faith? Did you work on Shabbat? Sometimes. Oh, that means you didn't really believe the parnasah. is for me. You thought you were making the parnasah. Did you work overtime? Yeah, usually two, three weeks out of the month. Oh, so you thought that the money's coming from you, that I don't have enough money, that you have to work extra time. I spent all my money on creating the world and I ran out of money when it came to you. Did you overcharge people? Yeah, sometimes when I had an opportunity. Why, you thought the only way to get ahead is by taking advantage of innocent people? I can't give you the money in an honest way. Did you gamble? Well, yeah, you know, sometimes I go, you know, play few sports a few this, a few that my friend won $70,000 last week I figured maybe I could do the same oh, so you didn't read the Alakha that gambling is stealing it's gezel, you didn't read that part ok, first question, we're in trouble second question did you make time to learn Torah? now based on your response of the first question, we already know the answer of the second one Really, we would think logically that the first question should be, did you make time to learn Torah? But here we learn, it's not about just learning, it's about doing. You can learn all the Torah in the world, but if you're not doing what it says, it's worthless. It says in the Gemara, Masichat Shabbat, page 31, 8. Rish LaKi says, it defines different stages of the Mishnah, six different parts of the Mishnah. Zayim, Oed, Nashim, Kodashim. says if someone studies all of these throughout throughout his life, he's in essence studying the Torah. Shrev, it's great. He's in essence, they're trying to define somebody. How does he achieve the ultimate goal? So they say, study Torah. What's the oral Torah at this stage? The Mishnah. Mishnah came before the Gemara. So he's defining, he's describing each of the six parts of the Mishnah. And he says, but the verse that they're getting this from, Yira'at HaShem iotzaro. The this is from Megillah. Uh, this is, yeah. Yirat Hashemimigolo. It says, the fear of God is in his storehouses. What does it mean, the fear of God is in his storehouses? It says that even if someone studied all six orders of the Mishnah, the most important thing in the eyes of the Almighty is whether the Mishnah actually taught him anything. Meaning, whether he's developed... Whether he's developed fear of Hashem. Meaning he could learn the Torah and know it all by heart. Great. Chazak You have no Yirat Shamayim, you're missing something. So the rest of the Gemara explains it in a little more detail, so everybody understands it's not just me interpreting it. Rava says, When they escort a person to his final heavenly judgment after his death, this is the same Mishnah we just talked about, how, what they ask you. The heavenly tribunal says to him, Did you conduct your business transactions faithfully? Did you set aside fixed time for Torah study? Did you engage in procreation, bringing children to the world? Did you wait and hope for the Mashiach? Did you delve into wisdom? Did you go deeper into the Torah? You just came to Shio once a week. You watch YouTube. What would you do? When you learn Torah, did you learn it deeply? Infer one thing from the other? Did you do all these things? (laughs) But even so, meaning even if you did all of this, even if you answered yes to all the questions, yes, 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 check, 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 check. You don't even know what the question is, you already put Check. Check. But even so, if fear of God was in per, in a, in, was this person's storehouse, then yes, his judgment is favorable. But if not, then no, his judgment is not favorable. Meaning you can learn the entire Torah. You don't have a foundation of Yerat it's all worthless. And to final off, they give you a Parable. Uh, analogy. He says, what is this like? One time a person goes to his boss, he says, well, what can I do? And the boss says, bring me a coal of wheat. Go to the attic and get some wheat. Now, put the, organize the wheat over there. So, he goes, he does what his boss says, comes back. And the boss asks him, did you mix for me a cup of, of kumton? Did you mix with the wheat? Did you put some this chemical on it? He says, no. And the boss says, it would have been better had you never brought up the wheat in the first place. Why? Because the chemical, the extra thing, was the preservative. Now that you put it all up there, with no chemical, it's all going to get ruined. You learned the whole Torah, you're going to forget all of it. You learned the whole Torah, you're not going to do any of it. Without Yerat Shemaim, you have nothing. Nothing is going to convince you to wake up six o'clock in the morning. The fact that you know the halacha, to do this, to do that, you know the segula, you know this, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. And here, in Gmaram, Hasechet Shabbat, it's telling us, if you're not planning on working on Yerat Shemaim, it's better off if you don't do anything. To that extent. Now the question you should all be asking yourself is now, why isn't anybody teaching Yerat Why does everybody teach, oh, Emunah, Avat Hashem, you know, loving Hashem, being kind, being this, being that, very, very few actually teach Yerat Shemaim. Well, they missed this Gemara. They forgot this page, and the many, many other pages that show it, all the way from the five books of Moses, to Mishlei, which is uh, pro- Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, it's everywhere. Every book that you talk about in Musar, anything else talks about Yirat Shamayim. What happened? Why isn't anybody teaching it? Unfortunately, this is the foundation. Yirat Shamayim is the foundation of Musar, and it takes guts to learn Musar. Meaning, you have to want to change in order for you to learn about Yirat Shamayim if you think you're perfect there's no reason for you to learn about it if you think you're doing fine why would you learn it? why would you change? why would you do anything? Now, if you're interested in changing because you're interested in getting closer to Hashem then we have something to talk about so now the Gemara says in this big Yetzirah that you have Bochabam This big Yetzirah where this woman comes or this thing comes or different types of Yetzirah, some atomic bomb comes to your attention. The way that you can overcome it if Krat doesn't work, if learning Torah doesn't work because you can't focus is to think about the day you're going to die because that day you're going to die you're forced to have your Shemaim. Because you're forced to think of what's going to happen after I die. Am I going to turn into a tree? Or something happens. But that's not actually the Yetzirah that we all deal with every day. That's the of once in a while. The Yetzirah that we deal with on an ongoing basis is what this Mishnah is about. Mishnah Bet Bet 2-2 two, two. רaban גם לירב תורה תורה שאין סופה בתלה וגוררת לשם שמים אבותם Translation. Rabban Gamliel, the son of Rabbi, Rabbi Uda Anasi says Torah study is acceptable together with an occupation all businessmen are going to like this Mishnah for exertion of them both makes sin forgotten all Torah study that is not joined with work will cease in the end and lead to sin all those who are engaged in public service should exert themselves for the sake of heaven, for then the merit of the merit of their ancestors will assist them, and their righteousness will endure forever. And you, the public servant, will be fully rewarded for your efforts, as though you have achieved that you wi- what you wished. Okay. So here, Rabban Gamliel, the son of Rebi. Why doesn't just say, Rabban Gamliel? Why does he say, Rabban Gamliel, the son of Rabbi? Plenty of times in the Gemara, it just says, Rabban Gamliel. Why does he say, Rabban Gamliel, the son of Rabbi? He's telling you, this is a very important Mishnah. He's telling you, listen, you want to get to become Gdol Adol, you have to connect it to work also. How do I know? I did it. That's what Rabbi Meir is telling you already. Why? Because he's telling you, listen, my, my whole family worked And all of us were very, very busy too. We were involved in politics, involved in business. Rabbi had a lot of money. So we didn't just sit there and collect the reward all day. We didn't win the lotto. So I know what I'm talking about. Now he's saying here, if you want to get to a point of becoming successful in Torah, you have to combine it with work because that will lead for your sins to be forgotten. What does this mean? You want to go learn Torah? Not everyone is going to have the merit to be Gdolado. Not everyone is even going to have the merit to be a Talmid Chacham. What's a Talmid Chacham? Talmid Chacham is someone that you could ask him a question, all different types of subjects, and he could give you an answer. That's a Talmid Chacham. That's what we all strive to be one day. Why are they called Talmid Chacham if he already knows all the answers? Talmid means student. If he already knows all the answers, if he's given shurim, if he's the head rabbi, of a city of a town of a country of a nation why is Rav Ovadia Tzadik Livacha, was called also Tamid Chacham Rabbi Akiva Tamid Chacham what Tamid? you're a teacher no in order to really be great first you have to know you have to continue learning you're always a Talmud. you're always learning Someone that thinks that he already knows enough, you have a little run, mold inside your system. So now, he's telling you here, not everyone's necessarily going to have the merit to be a Talmit Chacham. But that doesn't excuse you from learning Torah. You're still obligated to learn Torah. But in order for you to learn Torah, since you're not able to be a Talmud Chacham, you're not able to. Wake up in the morning, learn Torah from morning till night until you pretty much can't see anymore, aside from taking care of some personal things, take care of your marriage, your kids, some basic day-to-day chores and stuff like that. In general, you're spending 10, 12, 15, 16 hours a day studying. Not everyone has the ability to do that. It's a very, very difficult thing to do. People think that, you know, building buildings and fixing cars or lifting cars or whatever, all the manual labor is much harder than learning I bet every single one of them they can't survive one hour one hour of learning Torah unless they've trained themselves already over a long period of time to learn Torah they can read any book, they can be a scholar in medicine, they can be a doctorate in every single subject in the world if they've never studied Torah before they won't survive an hour of learning Torah without falling asleep completely different world but he's telling you here despite the fact that you're not able to learn all day you're still obligated to learn but in order for you to fill up the rest of your day okay so you learn let's say two hours in the morning two hours at night or maybe it's just wishful thinking an hour in the morning, an hour at night hopefully that's not too much wishful thinking you're learning in the morning, you're learning at night. The rest of the day, you have to do something. He says, Good job. You can't sit there doing nothing. You can't sit there on your porch and thinking that, oh, Bauch Hashem, Hashem is going to send me my Panasaf for learning two hours of YouTube videos. It's not happening, my friend. It may happen for a short period of time. Hashem will have mercy on you, give you enough time to wake up, give you enough time to Get yourself together. But unless you're studying full time, there's absolutely no reason that you're giving Hashem for Him to just give you the ability to do nothing with the rest of your day. Why? Because you have to decide. If you're going to be a Talmud Chacham, that means you have to learn like a Talmud Chacham. You have to learn all day. You have to turn the Torah into your job. Your job is to learn Torah from morning to night. That is your job. Your job is to publicize the Torah. Learn for the purpose of teaching. As the Gemara Masechet Avodah Zarah says, I think it's in page 17 if I'm not mistaken, someone who learns Torah without the intention of teaching it is like someone who doesn't have a God. Meaning you're not allowed to just learn Torah just to keep for yourself. Like the Lubavitcher Rebbe said, you don't have to be a big Talmid Chacham to teach. You know Parashat Shavua? Teach Parashat Shavua. You know a couple of Teach that. You know Aleph Bet? Teach that. Someone out there doesn't know Aleph Bet. Someone out there doesn't know Siporet Someone out there doesn't know Parashat Shavua. Go find that someone and teach them. You are not to keep it to yourself. Especially in our weak generation when no one knows anything. People think Noach was some movie character that came out a few years ago. And they still are all like 100% sure that Moses was born 40 years ago in a movie, Ten Commandments. People don't know anything. I can tell you from my own personal experience. I didn't know anything. I knew the famous stories here there, but once you go into the details, you're like, wow, me and a donkey weren't too different. You don't know anything. You don't study it. You don't know anything. Other subject, I was considered a scholar. I knew psychology, I knew psychiatry, I knew biology, I knew this, I knew that. A bunch of useless subjects for my life. I knew a lot of it. I was considered Talmid Chacham. in nonsense, and stuff that was useless to me. Anything I didn't know, I just buy it. I just hire the guy who knows it, and he teach me. But then you realize, it's all worthless. Because it doesn't affect your life most of the time. And anything that's any good, has a source in the Torah. So anybody that spends a lot of time listening to motivational speakers or listening to self-help books, types of uh, advice, you should know that all of that is in the Torah. All of it. From A to Z. All you got to do is learn Torah. Your motivation, learn about the life of Moshe Rabbeinu. Survive that for a week, not 40 years. The nation calls you a thief, they call you a womanizer, They accuse you of every single sin there is known to man. The 250 biggest rabbis are going against you, signing letters against you. And in his humility, Moshe Rabbeinu prays all night, doesn't go to sleep, prays all night, just in case Korach has merit that could override Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu is not even sure about his level. He's thinking that maybe Korach may be right. Maybe even though Hashem said, listen, Hashem picked him. Moshe Rabbeinu knew that Hashem picked him. But he said, maybe Koch, despite him being wicked, maybe he has a merit. Maybe Hashem is going to accept this tefillah, which shows us that even a tefillah of a Rasha, we have to consider. Even a Rasha, even a wicked person that prays to Hashem, we have to be scared of. So now. You have yourself giants, Moshe Benu, Rabbi Akiva, David HaMelech. You learn their life; it's as big, as much of a motivation as you're ever going to need. Everything and anything you're ever going to need is in this tour. If you're going to learn it from morning to night, Chazak BaOkeh, Chacham. If you're not Talmi Chacham already, you're on your way to becoming one. But you have to teach it can't keep it to yourself you're surrounded by ignorant people who don't know anything don't know the purpose of life I deal with them on a daily basis unfortunately people have no idea why they're alive and it's very very difficult it's very difficult for them to deal with life's problems when they don't have an understanding of why they're even here in the first place they don't have an understanding of what Hashem's power and glory really is in the first place so you, that learn a few pages of Gemara, that learn a few pages of Musa, learn a few pages of Parashat Shebo, learn a few pages of anything, share that knowledge. You know one story in your entire arsenal of story. You know one story that's connected to the Torah? Say that story 5,000 times. Until everybody says, you know what? I heard that story about 3,000 times. Can you give me a different one? It's like, okay, you know what? I'm ready for a second one myself. But spread it. Share it. Someone needs to know it. Hashem gave you the knowledge for a reason. It's not just for you to keep it. That's if you want to be a Talmud Chacham. You want to learn and teach. But if you don't have the ability to do it, you're a worker. We need workers. We need people to run the world. We need people to finance Torah. According to the Rambam, in Ilchot Shemitah Veyovil, he says, any man who chose to learn Torah for a living, meaning that's what he does, become a Tamit Racham. It's considered Kodesh Kodeshim, and you know, in those days, Rabban, uh, uh, Rambam didn't just throw names like they do today. Rabbi comes to town, Tzadik bala'il, Tzadik. The guy, does anybody know him? No, not. Tzadik. Another Rabbi, Tzadik Yeshod Olam. Tzadik is the foundation of the world. Another Rabbi comes in, Tzadik, Ayada Ha'chazakah, he's the right hand of Hashem. Everybody's tzaddik, everybody's this, everybody's that. They throw names like it's a, a tic-tacs. Rambam, in his days, they didn't throw names at all. Especially the Rambam. Especially the Rambam. To so much extent, just to explain to you guys who the Rambam was. Rabbi Chaim Itzantz. Rabbi Chaim Itzantz. Holy Rabbi, giant Tamid Chacham, one time he prayed to have the Yirat the fear of Abshem, of the Rambam, at his most busy moment, when? When he's dealing with patients, the going. because the Rambam was also a doctor. So he said, listen, if I, if I think about Rambam's Yirat Shemaim, that fear of Hashem, when he's praying, that's too much. Too much for me. If I think if the Rambam is learning, ooh, ah, different world. If I think about the Rambam's Yirat Shemaim when he's helping Jews out, no, come on, Jews, is Hashem's children, it's too much. Let's just think of Rambam as just a doctor, family doctor for the goyim. I want to have his Yirat Shemaim when he's taking care of the goyim. For a day. One day. That's what he prayed for. We pray for lottery. He prayed for Yirat Shamaim for a day. A little bit of a difference between us. So Rabbi Chaim Itzant prayed to Hashem and Hashem gave him the merit to have the Rambam's Yirat Shamaim when he's taking care of goim as patients. And Rabbi Chaim Itzant was not able to leave his bed or under his covers the entire day, because he was so petrified. Petrified, he wasn't able to leave his bed. Nothing. That was the Rambam's Yirat Shamaim, at his busiest moment. Meaning his lowest level of Yirat Shamaim. So this same Rambam, is telling us, someone, Tamit Chacham, is Kodesh Kodeshim, someone that's, helps the public do tshuva, teaches, It's Kodesh Kodeshim, he's the Holy of Holies. Holy of Holies, that he's doing this, and the community, is obligated to finance him. Not that it's nice if they give him some tzedakah, give him a, a dollar in his pushka box. No, no, he's saying the community, the community, the they're obligated to finance this Talmud Chacham. Unfortunately, this mitzvah is not so strong in this generation. But he himself should not spend any time collecting money. So we'll explain what that means in a moment. So now if you have the ability to be a Talmud Racham, you have nothing to worry about, Panasat is going to come. You don't have to work. If you don't have the ability to be a Talmud then you better get yourself a job. You better get yourself a job because the combination of the two, the Mishnah says, the exertion of them both makes sin forgotten. What does it mean to make sin forgotten? Amos, what does it mean make sin forgotten? You forget the sin? Well, one day, because you got a job, you're learning some Torah twice a day. That's it, you forget all your sins. You forget that you went with the Goya, you forget that you went with the Goya, you forget the eight pig last week. You forget, that's it. You think so? You think that's what he means? No, right? Has to be something else. Sani, what does it mean? You forget the sin. We forget that we were just Baal tshuva five six months. You forget that we shabbat. Actually, the more I do tshuva, the more I realize how much of a Rasha I used to be. I don't forget anything. I actually, start remembering. I go. I try to do my bodeut. I try to do some prayers. I try to learn some gemara. I start looking. I look at the gemara. I start seeing gemara I'm like, oh, I made this sin. I made this sin. I mean, I start crying. I start crying. What am I going well, to start doing? It. I naturally. I want you think I want to think about it. I start looking at Masechet Shabbat, I start looking at Masechet I start looking at Masechet, I made this sin, I made this sin, Hashim How It's so great that you're still letting me live. I'm thinking, I made so many sins. I can't think, I actually remember them now. More I remember. I didn't think about it when I was a chiloni. I didn't think it was a sin, so I didn't think about it. Now I'm trying to do some mitzvot, I start remembering all the bad things I did. So, what is it saying? It's saying over the opposite. It says, if you combine your Torah study with work, you make the sin forgotten. So what does it mean? I already gave you guys the answer. That's what I'm asking you. The answer is what Rabbi Hanina says. Rabbi Hanina says that Hashem gave you a lot of mitzvot. One of the reasons He gave you a lot of mitzvot is for your benefit. What's that benefit? You're going to be so busy making mitzvot you're not going to have enough time to sin. Now if you're not a Talmud Chacham, you're not learning Torah all day, all night, during the time you're learning, of course you're not thinking about sinning. You're learning. After you finish learning, you go to work. You have to go make panasai, you have to feed your kids, you have to buy a car, you have to buy a house, you have to buy a plane, whatever you have to buy. You're working, you're working. You're not thinking about sin. You're thinking about work. And as soon as you finish work, You're already thinking, wait a minute, the only reason I'm working is so I'm able to have free time to learn Torah because the real purpose of this world is Torah, not to work. Hashem didn't bring me into the world to be a stockbroker. He didn't bring me into the world to be an engineer or a psychiatrist. That's not the reason why Hashem created the world. Moshe Rabbeinu, Al Sinai, Yaakov Avinu, everything that, for Yaron to be a psychiatrist. No, that's not why He created the world for me to be a psychiatrist. He didn't create the whole world. He didn't do this whole balagan. With the trees, and the wind, and the oxygen, and the atmosphere, and this, and the blood cells, and HIV, and homosexuality, and the sins, and the mitzvot, and all of this, just for you to be a baseball player. Obviously no. Has to be more. He says the reason for this world is to fulfill the Torah that I created 974 generations before I created the world. Fulfill this Torah. So the reason why I go to work is because I know that if I go to work, I'll have money to eat, and I can study in peace. I can wake up in the morning, I can study for a little bit of time, I go to work, make my living, so I know that when I get home, I'll have food to eat, my wife will have food to eat, my kids will have food to eat, everybody's going to be fine. Of course we're going to have stresses, life's problems, all that stuff, but it doesn't matter. Why? Because all my answers for all of life's problems are in a Torah I'm going to learn at night. Because that's where all the answers is. that's where the source is. So I have to go work to occupy myself to get to this Torah later at night. So in essence, your schedule is not based on your job. Even though you spend more time working than you do learning, you when you have the right mindset... You see, the work is for the purpose of freeing myself up mentally and physically for that one hour in the morning and one hour at night. And because you're so busy, that one hour or two hours you study at night is very, very difficult. It's not easy. It's mentally stimulating, but it's also mentally straining. It's tough. Especially after a long day of work. Especially when the Yetzirah did not retire and he's promised not to retire until the Mashiach comes. Doesn't even have a retirement party planned. So you have Yetzirah that's trying to make you tired. You have Yetzarah that's trying to make you watch TV. You have Yetzirah that's trying to drive you crazy. But you have a schedule. I pray, I learn, I work, I go home, hang out with the family for a little bit act like a father, act like a mother, do what I'm supposed to do, learn some Torah, go to sleep. Rabbi Hanina says, you don't have time to sin. You don't have time to sin. The Shagat Ariyeh, one of the holy sages we've had in previous generations, in his last days, his students brought him a book, say Vidui, say, Tachanun, Hatati, Aviti, Pashati. You know, like you do every day. Sephardim, do it every day. Ashkenazim, no. Some do, some. Yes, actually, I actually. Uh, and when I was in Israel, in Israel, the Ashkenazim also do vidui every day. In America, not as much. But nonetheless, everyone knows that you're supposed to say vidui before you die. If you know you're going to die, say vidui, meaning you're confessing your sins and saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Hashem, I made a sin. I didn't even know it was a sin. I'm sorry, Hashem. I made a sin. I knew it was a sin. I still did anyway. I'm sorry, Hashem. I did a sin specifically to make you angry. That's the first three sins, Hashem and Achim, and He still letting us have the air to breathe to say the rest. And we're saying I'm sorry. Hashem wants our sorry. All He wants is us to say I'm sorry. Chazal tells us that if Adam Arishon, Adam and Eve, famous story, if Adam would have just said I'm sorry, Hashem wouldn't have banned him from Gan Eden the whole world would have stayed perfect. Just say, I'm sorry. That's how big one I'm sorry is. The only reason we're here is because somebody forgot to say I'm sorry. What did he say? Oh, it's the wife you gave me. In essence, what is he doing? He blamed it on Chava. He blamed it on Eve. You gave me this wife. So technically it's also your fault, Hashem. Because you gave me this woman. If you didn't give it to me, I would have sinned. On that, Shlomo Amelach says, "Foolish man sins and then blames Hashem for punishing him." So now we know. Before we die, say have to say, "I'm sorry." Really, since we don't know when we're going to die, we say we do every day. Maybe today is the last day. Maybe tomorrow. And nobody should be saying to, to, to you know, the, the uh, Sephardics, so you say something not good, you start spitting on the floor everywhere. That's what it has to be. Once you start thinking about death as a transition, if you're righteous, you have nothing to worry about. If you're Rasha, then you have a lot to worry about. If you're trying to be righteous, you're good. you You'll succeed. But nonetheless, we know that death is not the end. Death is a transition. So now the Tamidim of Shagata, yeah, giving them the vidui, the quodagav. Say vidui before, you know, you're dying, you know, you don't know, today, tomorrow, it's your last days. Say vidui. They weren't scared. Everyone knows death is a transition. They're not like, it's not like politically offensive, politically incorrect. Everyone knows we're going to die. So they're telling their rav, rav, say vidui. We brought you the book. In okay, case, so he forgot the words. Who knows? The Rav says, no, no, no. Bring me Gemara. Bring me Gemara. Starts opening Gemara, starts learning Gemara. This is Gemara. He learned it how many times? 1,000 times? 2,000 times? How many times he learned this Gemara? Again, he's learning it. Say Shag say Vidui. Shagat, yes, <laughs> says something. He says, I learned Torah my whole life to such an extent I didn't have enough time to even think about sinning to think about sin I didn't have time for not to sin sin b'chalo sin I'm glued to Hashem who wants to sin who wants to sin when you love and fear Hashem so much but he says I was so busy loving and fearing Hashem I didn't even have time to think about sinning like us. Seti pot Mine, Two drops of water. So Rabban Gamliel, the son of Rabbi, is telling you, you want to succeed in your tshuva, make sure your time is busy. You're busy learning. You're busy working. You're busy doing stuff. Why? Because sitting idle, according to Shlomo Ahmed, the smartest man that ever lived, who wrote this in his books with Ruach Kodesh? boredom leads to sin. Doing nothing leads to sin. Now, doing nothing doesn't literally mean you just sit there and just looking at the uh, mountains. Oh, wow, look at these mountains, look at the beach, look at the ocean. No, that's not what he means. Boredom means you do something idle. that's not mentally stimulating. It's not changing and improving your mind. You could do a perfectly normal activity and still be bored to death. I know somebody that goes on vacation at least once a month. At least once a month. No joke, no exaggeration. At least once a month he goes on vacation. On the way home from the vacation. not Not even like he's back from the vacation, settled down. You know everybody that goes back from vacation. You come back from this place, you come back from that place. First day, you're happy, to, happy to be home. Everybody's always happy to be home. You're away for a week. You're away for a month. You're happy to be home. Second day, oh, I can't believe I'm back. Second day, it's like a and achem. It's like tishabe'av all over again. Why? It's tishrei, just started. Oh, Shana is coming. No, I just came back from vacation. This place was good. That place. Everybody has tishabe'av on the second day. Third day, it's like the third day of B'rit mila, the biggest pain. I can't believe I'm back. What a life I have. Ooh, this is what I live for, I can't believe it, the next vacation I can afford is not only for another five months, six months, eight months. So people work their whole year, they work overtime, they work part-time, they work two jobs, six jobs, eight jobs, nine jobs. Why for one vacation for a week? If you just keep Shabbat, your vacation every week, not just one week. Minimum 52 days a year vacation you have. On top of that, you have the Chagim, another two months. Religious Jew, you have, Somewhere around three and a half months off a year Free Free of charge You don't have to go anywhere So I know somebody Allah Hashem has Financial ability and lifestyle To allow him To go on vacation literally every month Sometimes it's big vacation Like to Africa You know Or I don't know Some other place and some small vacation, like I don't know, a city next over to go skiing or something, or whatever. Whatever people do. Always on Shabbat, Hashemekhem. Always on Shabbat, unfortunately. But already on the way home with all these vacations. On the way home, he's already telling me, "I'm so bored. I'm so bored. I can't believe I have to go back." Like already on the way home. You just finished the vacation. You were gone for a week. You gone two weeks. Enjoy the moment. Relax. This nothing. Already on the way home. Sometimes even during the vacation, he's bored. Even during the vacation, I'm bored. What are you? You're in Africa. Be be happy. Ah, it's not a big deal. Not a big deal. Why? Because it's not mentally stimulating. Okay, so you saw a lion. Great. Chazaku baruch. Five minutes later. Okay, enough of the lion. Okay, so you saw the mountain. Great. All right few more minutes okay enough of the mountain you saw the mountain you saw the beach you saw this eventually everything looks the same so what happens you get bored you get miserable you get depressed this is the reason why one of the top professions to be in in places like new york city Los Angeles, San Francisco, places where there's a lot of celebrities, is in mental health. Miami is to be a place in mental health. Why? Because all of the people that have all the money in the world to go on vacation every day, not just every month, every day are the most miserable people on earth. Because all of it is not mentally stimulating. All of it is just passing time. And since you have the ability to, you think, you have the ability to do everything you want, or you may even have the ability to do everything you want materially, you always have to top the last experience. You went to Cancun this time, you have to go to, I don't know, somewhere else next time. You went somewhere else next time, you have to get directly to Gainam the next time. You went there, you want to go to a different section. You know, every time it has to be better than the last. You went to Atlantic City, next time you have to go to Foxwoods. You went to Foxwoods, you have to go to Las Vegas. You went to Las Vegas, you have to go to China where they have the casinos like a city. You finish with China, you go to play Texas Hold'em with the devil himself. Every time it's a little over, a little more. And this is the reason why all of them come home miserable. Because it's not mentally stimulating. It's not spiritually stimulating. It's nothing. It's boredom. It's just a pastime. And I'm telling you this from experience. I'm not one of these people that tells you, "Oh, money is the root of all evil," and I never had a dollar in my life. Because if I was broke and I didn't really know, I'm a homeless guy, and I say, "Listen, yeah, money's bad, money's bad." It's like, how do you know money's bad? You never had five bucks in your pocket. I had it. I had a few bucks. Bol- bol- I know what it's like. I know what the lifestyle's like. It's complete nonsense. Now of course no one's ever going to listen to me They're still going to try it anyway They're still going to try to make money in the stock market They're still going to try to make money in this They're still going to try to make money in that That's why every week at least one or two people ask me questions What do you think of the stock market now? Can you give me some advice on the market? I'm out of the business, leave me alone I haven't watched the market in two years I don't watch it, I don't know anything about it I haven't watched news, Bichlal. news, not news, not TV, nothing I don't know anything The only way I know anything of what's going on in the world For my students, they tell me Oh you know Trump's running, I'm like, oh, with Donald Trump? Oh wow, okay I remember him he was a business guy. They tell me all oh, you want. I'm like, oh well, great. Right? What do I care you want or oh, you didn't win? Is he gonna pay my bills? Is he gonna help me learn a Dafk by heart? What is he gonna do for me? What's the tacklist? What's he gonna do? What's the point? What, am I gonna go to Islamabad because Donald Trump won? Am I gonna go a about because Dow Jones is five thousand or fifty thousand or whatever it is? Who cares? What if I had a million dollars more, a million dollars less, gonna change my nothing's gonna change. What's going to change? Okay, oh, so you have a, I don't know a cool-looking car. Okay, congratulations, you have a nicer car. The wheels are bigger; it's twenty inches instead of six inches. 20 inches. Who cares? What is he going to do? It's going to make your wife love you more. No, if you have a wife that loves you because of your car, you should get divorced. Because she loves your car, you just give her the car and say, "Okay, listen." Go. I'll bring the rabbi, the Reform rabbi. He's going to do a wedding between you and the car they probably do by now the dogs probably next level is cars. why not one time a guy comes to a rabbi and he says to him listen my dog just died I want to give him a I want to say Kaddish if somebody in the Knesset do Kaddish on my dog no chas v'shalom, we're an orthodox shul chas v'shalom, we're never gonna do Kaddish on a dog oh okay okay fine fine takes off the envelope he goes ok so I'll just write this check someone else. Well, what is that he goes, no it's just a hundred thousand dollar check I was going to write to the B'kneset that's going to do Kaddish on my dog he goes, oh why didn't you tell me it was Jewish <laughs> what happens that's what happens when money becomes our God zav, God of gold Married his car. Married his car. Shem Are you going to bring any kids? Said. An nice Listen. It says. Asks in the Mishnah. We just learned in uh, Masechet Shabbat. It Said one of your responsibilities in life is to bring children to the world. Maybe you're going to bring little mufflers. <laughs> oh yeah, though. People are stupid. What can we do? Can't. Can't fix stupid. Can't fix it. Once it's stupid, you can't fix it. It's like broken. Broken, you can take back. Stupid, you can't fix. Someone wants to marry his car. Okay, I can't help somebody like that. Unfortunately, Anmadashika, we do. We're getting worse and worse. We keep topping our previous stupidity even more. But nonetheless, what's happening here? So now, someone that understands the foundation of life, foundation of a good life, to get you to a point where death. Is not something you fear, but rather something that you know is a transition. I'm not saying anyone should look forward to it, chash v'shalom. But you know that death is a transition. Death is a time where you know you're going to get to the real world. Death is when all of the work that you've done throughout your whole life finally pays off. In order to get to that point, you have to start with the first part of the Mishnah and say, listen, if you're already going to follow Torah, make sure you keep yourself busy. Not busy with vacations to Cancun or sitting on your porch or watching YouTube videos of cops saving ducks. Busy with your mind is occupied with Divrei chuchma. As the Rambam says, someone that makes sins of sex crimes is only because his mind is empty. His mind is empty. What do you mean, mind empty? Why well, is just it's hollow? There's nothing there. No, he says, because someone that learns Torah has divrei chokhmah, has wisdom in it, and someone that has even a little bit of chokhmah in his mind, that chokhmah is constantly working. Oh, I learned Shlomo Melch said this. Why did Shlomo Melch say this? Maybe it's because Moshe Rabbeinu said this a few hundred years before. Oh, maybe you're constantly thinking about why this, why that, why do we have to do netilat yadayim in the morning? Why we have to make it time after the bathroom? Why? Why? You're constantly asking questions. Your mind is constantly working because you have wisdom. You learned Allah, You learned Mishnah. You learned something. Something's happening. Your brain is functioning. When is it not functioning? When is it because you have stupidity? You watch uh, the Kardashian family as your hobby. You watch six hours of movies a day about I don't know aliens and uh, and the mutants it's easy I remember I used to do it myself we'd, start, we'd never watch TV never had time for TV I worked so once in a while we'd rent a whole series a box set of some I don't know show I'd order the whole series and we'd watch it one after another for hours after hours from Friday until Sunday uh, night we'd finish the whole series I don't know like 25 hours or 30 hours of this stupid series and at the end of it it's like ah, what's the next one why? because it wasn't enough you don't get anything out of it just wasting time the Rambam says, you're one of those people, of course you're going to sin, of course you're going to waste seed, of course you're going to make sex crimes. Why? Because you have nothing in your head. You could be the smartest guy in the world, no stocks, no bonds, no psychiatry, no biology, no everything in the world, but it's nothing comparison to Torah. You're going to make sins non-stop. And when you arrive at the day of judgment, Shem So now, they're telling you, keep your mind busy. If you keep your mind busy, your sins are going to be forgotten. Why? Because you're going to occupy your mind with so many dapigmarahs, so many new laws, so many new things, that's going to override all those pages will cover the sins you made in the past. Not that you forgot about them. You know that you violated Shabbat five, six, seven, eight years ago. You know. But you're so busy thinking about this new chidush you just found out from the rabbi, that's occupying your mind. You're not thinking about, oh, I'm such a rasha, I did this, I did that, and get into depression. That's what the Satan wants you to do. No. He says, be busy with mitzvot. Be busy with doing chesed. Oh, wait, somebody needs money. Oh, I have an extra hundred bucks. Let me go give him so I can help him for Shabbat. You're busy with making a mitzvah. You're busy learning Torah. You're busy doing something for kavod Hashem. For the honor of Hashem, for the purpose of life. You're constantly doing something. Your mind is constantly occupied with something that's mo'il, that's that's useful for the world productive so it's not that you forget that you sinned and it's not that your sin is forgotten in Shemaim either it's that you're overriding it with so many different new mitzvot that it goes into the back you know the back, like everybody has like a garage Storage. and they store all this stuff but it's a bunch of stuff that you're never ever going to use It's like, no, no, I want this. We'll put this in this department, and like nine years later, like, oh, I didn't remember that I actually had that. Yeah, because it went to a department of Never Never Land, buddy. Like the whole concept of like storage spaces, like people that buy storage, there's a whole business around it of people that buy the storage when the guy that's paying for it for seven years realizes it's just a waste of money and just gives up on it. But he forgot what he has in it. He forgot that he has a nine thousand dollar painting in it, the idiot. So instead of going there and taking out the $9,000 painting, he says, no, I don't feel like paying the $60 a month. I don't feel like paying the $60 a month. So these guys come, they buy the whole storage thing for like, I don't know, $300, and they get this $9,000 painting. It's a whole business, a whole industry based on stupidity. People's stupidity, people's forgetfulness, people's obsession with stuff. They have so much stuff they forgot that they have it. Because instead of occupying our lives, our neshamot, and our brain with stuff that we can take somewhere called eternity, we consume material stuff. And this material stuff, even we realize eventually that it's all useless. It doesn't matter what the price tag is. So now the next part of the Mishnah says, All Torah study, that is not joined with work will cease in the end and lead to sin. So on one end he's telling you if you combine Torah and work you'll eventually get to a point where you'll be too busy to sin. But if you just learn Torah without working eventually you're going to be a bigger sinner than you were before you started learning Torah this kind of contradicts some of the things we just said we just said if somebody learns Torah all day speak Tamit Chacham Rambam calls him Kodesh Kodeshim so how could it be somebody learns Torah without working Is not? he says no 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 we're not referring to the Tamit Chacham here we're referring to the guy that's just learning a couple hours a day but that's it, the rest of the day he hangs out rest of the rest day looks at the beach watch some TV, maybe some Oprah Winfrey maybe she's giving away some stuff to people, makes them feel good the crowd doesn't know that the companies pay for the stuff and it's not really Oprah giving anything and the company is a multi-billion dollar company that's also not using their own money because shareholders are paying for it and the shareholders don't even know that they're paying for it because they're actually borrowing the money on margin so they're not even paying for it, the bank's paying for it in the end, these people are getting a bunch of stuff that nobody actually even pays for but there's a whole show This is how it works. I'm not making this up. This is how it works. So now, you have people say, Listen, I did Shuva. I'm going to watch Rabbi Mizrahi shiur two hours. I'm going to watch Rabbi Yaron's shiur five hours or three hours, whatever I have. And that's it. That's my day. I'm going to learn four hours, five hours a day. The rest of the day, I'm going to hang out. Hang out. I'm going to go to the beach. Go to pizzeria, hang out with some friends, play a few video games. Rabban Gamliel, who knew a few things, says, "My friend, this leads to sin, but not normal sin. This leads to you, for you, to be a bigger sinner than you were before you did tshuva, my friend. Why?" Because eventually reality checks in. Eventually the money runs out. The money that you were getting every month from somewhere. Or the money that you had saved up somewhere. Eventually you got to go to work. Eventually the well dries. And you have to go to work. Now if you already got yourself used to this comfortable lifestyle. Where money just shows up. It's not really warranted because you're studying two hours a day, but money just shows up. And if the money stops coming in, you're going to look around. What do I do? What do I do? Okay. You go look for a job. Finding a job takes a while. It's not two minutes. It takes a little while. You go look for a job. You Go look for a job. You can't find a job. Oh, right, you know what? I'm going to borrow some money from this guy and that guy. I'm going to start a business. I'm going to start a business. Why not? Every Jew wants to be entrepreneur. We all want to start businesses. Nobody wants to work for anybody. Even the employee says he has a side business. He only works here to help him finance the real business that he has. Nobody wants to work for anybody. Jews, no, no. We already spent our time slavery in Egypt. We didn't pay us at all. We see, we saw what happened when we work for somebody. They don't pay you. So we want to work for ourselves. So now, you want to go borrow some money. What if the money doesn't come? Because you know what happens. When you don't need money, everyone wants to give you. When you need money... No one even knows you. Everyone wants to lend money to Bill Gates. Everyone wants to lend money to Bill Gates. He doesn't need it. But nobody wants to lend money to the guy who just lost his job. Nobody wants to lend money to the guy starting a new company and he doesn't really have any credit or any history or any, anything. And sometimes even when you do it's not enough. Remember I told you guys a story one time I went to a bank I told him, "Listen, when I expand my company, I want to, let, I want to borrow ten million dollars." And I said, "Okay, no problem. Let us look. Let's review business plan. I had all business plan. Da 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 da." It's like, yeah, your business is uh, not the ideal business that we w- that we work with. We usually work with factories, with this, with that. We don't usually deal with financial services companies because, in essence, we are a financial services company. So, in essence, we're kind of a competition. Not exact, not direct competition, but indirect competition. But we're willing to work with you. I said, okay. It's like, all right, so what you could do is you could use your own ten million dollars as collateral, and you could borrow ten million dollars from us. So I said, wait, hold on a second. So the ten million dollars that I give you, can I still use it? Like, no, it's collateral. So I can only use the ten million dollars that you gave me. I said, yes, exactly. Perfect. So you understand. So wait a minute, so you're telling me. To have to, the $10 million that I have, I give you. I can't do anything with it. I don't even get paid for it. I don't get paid interest. I don't get paid nothing. Bapkis. But your $10 million, I have to pay you interest on it. So in essence, what you're telling me in so many words is that I have to pay interest on my own money. Seriously? Oh yeah, I guess you could look at it that way. Leave my office, please. So sometimes, even because you have money, doesn't necessarily mean then you can get it. But now you're looking for a job, you can't find a job. You're looking to get financing for this brilliant new idea you have. You may get it, you may not get it. Let's say you get it to make more money from this new idea that you have. It takes time. Anyone that ever started even a uh, a little table with lemonade knows that it takes time to make money. You start a business it takes time but now you already got used to this comfortable life got used to this comfortable life money comes your two hours a day of Torah is supporting it and I've got Aban Gamliel is telling you my friend it's going to lead you to sin, why? because when things get rough and the money stops coming in you're going to start thinking inappropriately first of all your Torah for two, three hours a day is gone why? because now you're saying listen Hashem you put me in this situation where I don't have money anymore so now I have to work it's your fault Hashem I have to work with those 2-3 hours give me money then I won't work but until you give me money I'm not working like you're putting Hashem on punishment no more 2 hours a day now when you don't have Torah you have nothing that's protecting you what happens now? you're forgetting a lot of the stuff that got you to where you are in the first place so now I'm not going to wake up at 6 o'clock in the morning to pray I'll go wake up at 8.30 30 I'm not going to study today I'm busy I got to work overtime I could overcharge this one client It's not really that big of a deal Okay so I'm not going to pay this debt Even though I have the money And you start making your own rules And little by little Hashem is telling you You have yourself a serious problem Because now You put yourself into a bind And desperate times Call for desperate measures This is why one time, Baruch had a few of my students do serious, serious tshuva. Some converted, some went to kolel, some went to yeshivot. But it's not necessarily always advisable. It's not a rule of thumb to send everybody to yeshiva. Or everybody to convert. Or everyone to do something that's like the ultimate goal. Not necessarily advisable. It's not a rule of thumb where you, did tshuva, go to yeshiva. Go to kolel. No, it's not advisable. Depends who the person is. This is why we mention in the Mishnah, make yourself a rabbi. Why? Because the rabbi is going to know who you are, what you can handle. Not what you can handle whether it's true or not. But what you can handle as far as where your level is at. You just started keeping Shabbat three months ago. You discovered God four months ago. It depends. Maybe yes, maybe no to go to Yeshiva kollel. Why? Because yes, if you're single and you have nothing going for you. Yeah, you should go. But if you are married, three kids, you should not go to Yeshiva, my friend, because your wife's gonna divorce you, and then she's gonna shoot me. Then you have two murders. Why? Because you're gonna get off the day three months later, you're gonna run out of money. So one time I had a student, Oh Hashem, went from Katze to One day he wanted to commit murder. Mamash murder, not joking, not exaggeration. Mamash wanted to commit murder. I had to convince him otherwise, without him knowing that I'm convincing him. So you have to be a little bit of You have to be sneaky a little bit. You can't. Sometimes you've got to tell somebody to their face. Hey, listen, Michal Shabbat, Mot Yumat, da, da, da. you got to tell people to their face, sometimes. But most of the time, you got to convince them that it's their idea. Like it says, Aaron Rodef Shalom. Aaron chased peace. How did he chase peace? Two people argued. Two people argued, but then he goes to one of them and goes, "Ah, oh, you wouldn't believe it. What, Reuven? I just saw him. He's crying about the fight that you had with the things that he said. He said he's so sorry, but he's so embarrassed to say I'm sorry to you." Goes, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. You wouldn't believe it. Then he goes to Shimon. Shimon, you wouldn't. Be- I just came back from uh, from him. He's crying about what he said to you during the argument. You wouldn't believe it. Really. But these two guys, they're friends. They got into a fight, their heart melts, they go, they hug each other. Oh, hey, listen, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. By the time they find out that none of this actually happened, they're already back to being friends. Who cares? Wadev shalom, he's creative. Sometimes for the truth, for, for for peace, you're allowed to lie, but only if you if you know exactly what you're doing. Aaron. You're not our not own. You have to know exactly how to use it, you have to have precise directions, not just lie whenever you feel like it, because it sounds good. But nonetheless, sometimes you have to convince people that it's their idea. So a guy wants to commit murder, I have to convince him otherwise. And convince him that it's his idea. Bauch Hashem, he does tshuva, starts keeping Shabbat. Starts keeping mitzvot. Little by little, gets stronger and stronger. One day he tells me, okay, I decided I'm going to leave work. I'm going to go to Kolil. I'm thinking to myself, okay, you're only about a year into your tshuva. You don't have, okay, so you're keeping Shabbat, you're not murdering, good, chazak ba'uch. great. But to have high level emunah to go be a avrech that makes a thousand dollars a month, it's not easy. You're married, you got two kids, three kids. If you were single, 18, 19, 20, 22 years old, 25 years old, 30 years old, in today's age, everybody's thirties and single. But, Point is, you're single, you don't have anything, you still live with your mom, fine, go to kolil. But if you have wife, kids and everything, and they're waiting for food every day, and your wife is not bringing in any any or not enough, you, you can't, you can't. You can't tell the guy, no, no, that's the best thing for you to do. Unless the guy is like ultra, ultra strong, and the wife is even stronger, and the kids are stronger, there's little mashiachs running around the house, yeah, maybe. But it's not a rule of thumb to just send people to kolil. Because you have to have also a to go to kola. In essence, you're starting every month in negative. In America, you get paid approximately $1,000 a month in colas. In Israel, you get paid about 500 So imagine you have a family, five, six kids. Just the rent is $2,000. $1,800. $1,500. So already in the beginning of the month, you're already in a negative $500 to $1,000. doesn't include food. doesn't include electricity. Doesn't include clothing for the kids. Doesn't include anything. Doesn't include even basic needs like toothbrush. Who's nothing? Just the rent. So obviously you have to have emunah of where this money is going to come from, of how you know. You have to. It's, it's not hard. It's not easy. Plus, you cannot be a person that likes money. If you like money too much, you're never going to survive. Someone that likes money will not survive without money. As a matter of fact, someone that likes money will struggle because of his money for the rest of his life, even if he has a lot of money. Because someone that likes money will never feel like he has enough of it. Because if you think money is good, then you want more. You never have enough. This is why Shlomo Melech said this chidush in uh, last week's uh, shiur, but it's still worth it to mention again. Shlomo HaMelech in Proverbs, Sefer Mishle. Talking about who gets Divrei Chokmah, who gets the wisdom of the Torah. Who gets, in essence, eternity on a silver platter. He says, B'ni, im t'ikach Amarai, Amarai u'mitzvotai t'itzfon itach, my child if you accept my words and treasure my commandments with yourself to make your ears attentive to wisdom incline your heart to understanding for only if you call out to understanding and give forth your voice to discernment so here he's telling you if you do what Hashem's will is if you value it That's the beginning. But how do you get the Torah? How do you get to a point of actually having this eternity? How do you get to a point of having full Emunah? How do you have this? How do you get to a point of Mamash? Feeling like Hashem is with you. Not watching you, He's with you. People, a lot of people believe in Hashem. Yeah, Hashem creating, a monkey believes also in Hashem. You don't have to be much more than a monkey to believe in Hashem. Monkey believes in Hashem, you can believe in Hashem. We all know we didn't. This candle didn't come from nothing. Somebody made it before I broke it twice. Somebody put it there. I have to tell that person Slicha because I broke their candle. But nonetheless, somebody put it there. It didn't come from nothing. If it did, then it saves myself, you know, a p- apology. But I know somebody made it. This B'knei said, somebody built it. This building, somebody built it. The cars on the road, somebody built it. Everything came from somewhere. That's somewhere. It's called Hashem. So you don't have to be a genius to believe in God. But to believe that Hashem is with you. That He's not only watching over you, but He's literally with you all the time. That's to be glued to Hashem. That's emunah and bitachon. That's not only have faith, where Hashem is overseeing, and you know that He's taking care of the world, but you have the bitachon, you have the confidence... That he actually is going to take care of you specifically. You that don't have panasai is going to take care of you. You that can't find a zivug, he's gonna take care of you. You that have different things that are confusing you, he's gonna take care of you. You that have issues with the kids, with the husband, with the this, with the that, he's gonna take care of you. How? It's his problem, not yours. You just do your ishtadlut. You do what you have to do. How do you get there? Salawamallah tells you. If you seek it as if it were silver, if you search for it as if it were hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of Hashem and discover the knowledge of God. If you search for it like silver, but also the word for silver also means money. Kesef means silver, also means money. If you chase my Torah, my mitzvot, my kdushah, my honor, you chase all the things that are the foundation of this world. You chase it like you're chasing money, then you'll know the truth, you'll live the truth, and you'll always feel like I'm next to you. I'm with you. But if you chase it like, you know, the play, a little playing, you chase for like two seconds and you like, leave. Now nah, I don't feel like chasing anymore. It's too much. I'm tired. It's hot. It's hot outside. I don't feel like chasing. Let's play inside. Chase it like that. You chase it like you're chasing money. You have a future. Problem is that we're chasing money. We're not chasing Hashem. We took that verse just to chase. We forgot the whole verse. It Just chase money. Three words. We chase money. We forgot the rest of it. So now, He's telling you here, if you are Righteous, you're spending your time learning, then your Torah will help you when it's combined with Avodah, unless you're at a level where you could be a Talmud Chacham. On the other hand, if you're not a Talmud Chacham, and you're also not working, this will get you to a point where you have a serious, serious problem. You're going to fall off. And one time when, I, when one of my Talmudim told me that he wants to go to Kolel, I advised him against it now someone who doesn't know it would think that I'm a kofel think that I'm a heretic tell him somebody not to go to the kolal go learn Torah but I know he can't handle it why he just started doing Chuba? he just was convinced not to commit murder just a little while before that to go to Kola is a little bit of a push I'm not joking I'm not exaggerating I'm telling you this is a serious so, so, true story no, it's funny and it's, I'm saying it in a funny way but it's mamaz this is the type of stuff you deal with and uh I told him no I told him he shouldn't go and he did and he went anyway had a lot of serious problems why? because eventually the savings that he had ran out okay now what? all of a sudden wife's no good anymore why? what'd she do? she was good this whole time why is she not good anymore? the kids are no good anymore why? the kids were perfect until now what happened? All of a sudden, his whole world went and collapsed. Why? Because he thought that, you know, he's going to go to Kolo for six months to become Rabbi Akiva. It takes a long time to become Rabbi Akiva. takes a lot of emunah, a lot of nishonot, a lot of tests. You have to earn your way. You can't just become Rabbi Akiva. Even Rabbi Akiva had to learn how to be Rabbi Akiva. First of all, by making himself into nothing. How? He went to kindergarten. Learned Aleph Bet. Which not only taught him Aleph Bet, but taught him how to eliminate his ego for the sake of Hashem. For Kvod Hashem. You want to learn Torah? Eliminate your ego. If you're learning Torah to be some big special guy, you're learning nothing. Lovashamayimi. That Torah that's full of gavah, that's full of uh, all types of arrogance, it's not from Shamaim. It's not from heaven. That's what Hashem says. Torah that's full of arrogance, it's not for me, it's not my same Torah, it's something else. So, you have to understand that some people have a yes, some people have a no, some people have a check mark, some people have an X mark next to them. You have to graduate and get to different levels at a certain time. This is why it's very, very important to consult with someone that's gone through it, that knows it, that's your rabbi have a rabbi that knows who you are just asking any general rabbi hey rabbi should I go to yeshiva every rabbi will tell yeah sure go to yeshiva go to kolo go to seminary go to Israel go do aliyah go do this Go, of course yes to everything why not but if they knew that that yes meant that it's going to be a divorce it's going to be this it's going to be that it's going to be all these problems with it who's going to tell you yes so when you have a rabbi that knows the real details Assuming you're telling them the truth Because that's also another problem we deal with on a regular basis Everyone pretends They give, they come to the rabbi with a pretend story Oh yeah, you know, I, I have this problem with my wife I have this problem with my husband but why? why? Why do you have a problem with this wife or husband? Oh, I don't know, I don't know, they just pick on me Oh, they just pick on you, just this innocent miskenah This innocent victim, you don't do anything Yeah, I don't know, it's been like that for five years already always picks on me always this always that and all you know they tell you a story like wow this like husband is like Freddy Krueger it's like what kind of you know Shah is this woman married to what kind of wicked witch is this guy married to Me skin now when you find out the other side of the story you ask the husband or the wife he tells you the other part he goes, oh yeah by the way she cheated on me last month Oh yeah! By the way, he cheated on me last month. He said, "Whoa! Oh, if I was him, I would have killed you." What is this him yelling at you is actually he's giving you uh <laughs> he's giving you the benefit of the doubt. You're worse than he is. You're worse than even describing him. You don't tell you that. No, everybody's a tzaddik. Everybody that comes to the rabbi, no, I'm a tzaddik, I do this. You know how much I give? You know how much this? You know how much that? You know, you know why I pray at six o'clock in the morning every day. You don't need to pray at six o'clock in the morning. You need to be a human being first. You could pray at eight, but be a human being. So, if you're telling this Rav the truth, tell him the full story, your full thought, and not giving him like a uh, "Where's Waldo?" puzzle. You know, where you give him you know one word like a code, and he has to figure out what you're saying. It's like I'm going. Where? Eight hours later, I went. Where'd you go? Two. By the end of the week, you found out he went to Biknesset on Monday. Like, it's codes. It's like different, like, you know, they don't tell you the whole story, just tell Why are you making me ask you questions? Tell me the whole story, from A to Z, I'll help you. But if you tell me little codes, like I'm some detective, most of the time, eventually, me, personally, eventually I just give up. I don't even ask you. Okay, you went. Good luck. Chazakub Baruch. But you don't care where I went? No, I don't care. If you care to tell me, tell me. I don't have time. Thousands of people, Boch Hashem, Tima Hashem, is reaching over a hundred thousand people a week. Hundred thousand people a week. Hundred fifty thousand people a week. Think I have time to figure out what your story is? Tell me, I'll help you. You don't want to tell me? Good luck. But this is very, very important for people to understand. You want help from somebody? You have to be honest. You have to be honest. You have to be honest with yourself and know where you stand. If you really want to be a Tamit Chacham and you're willing to chase the Torah like you other people, yourself included in the past, chased money, go for it hundred percent. As long as your life is able to handle it. But don't say, don't come to me and tell me, no, 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 my wife is Yetzarah. What do you mean yetzarah? She wants to eat. No, my wife is Yetzirah, she's not letting me go to coal. Yeah, no, she, not that she's Yetzirah. She wants you to learn. But she also wants to eat. And if you don't go to work, she and the three kids you have at home are not going to eat. That's not Yetzirah, that's survival. So you, first, start learning in the morning. Start learning in the afternoon during the break. Start learning at night. Become disciplined. Little by little you'll be learning a few hours a day. Little by little you'll gain more knowledge. Little by little you'll gain merit. Little by little you'll get in siyat <laughs> edishmaya, help from Hashem. That will give you the ability to learn even more. Why? Because you're chasing Torah like you're chasing money. But if the only way you're going to learn is if you go to college full time and put your family at risk, then what are we doing here? This will lead to sin. Now this also is referencing to, according to Rabbeinu Yonah, it's not just referencing to the regular traditional people. It's also referencing the people that are engaged in public service, meaning people that are doing Kiru, people that are teaching Torah, people that are trying to get people close to Hashem, people that are rabbis of Keilot. And he says if you treat your Torah. The way this Mishnah expresses it or explains it, you'll be fine. But if not, you'll be in trouble. How so? The continuing, uh, the rest of this Mishnah says, all of those who are engaged in public service, meaning a, a rabbi of Akilah or somebody that speaks or anything like that, should exert themselves for the sake of heaven. The Shema, the Shem shamayim Meaning, if you're already going to do Kiruv, if you're already going to be a rabbi of a if you're going to, you know, give people different advice or everything like that, you have to do it for Hashem. For kvod Hashem, not for your money, not for your pocket, not because you're getting fifteen thousand dollars a speech. You have to do it for kvod Hashem. You have to do it for Shemaim. You have to do it for the sake of Hashem, for Hashem, for Hashem's Torah, not because you're making money from it. Why? The first reason Rabbeinu Yonah says, if you're doing it for Shem Shamayim, you're doing it for the truth, then you're going to help other people do to forget their sin, get over their sin, get over the yetzara. because you're going to have Siyat d'ishmaya. Hashem is going to help you, He's going to give you things to say, the right thing to say to the right person at the right time. People tell me all the time, they send me emails or texts, or they tell me, you know, it's, oh, I love your Shurim, I love this, you said this, you said that. I mean, it has nothing to do with me. Only reason why Hashem allowed me to say this for you. Before I said it, I didn't know it myself. That's why almost every single email that I start is Baruch Hashem. Because it has nothing to do with me. If you're doing it for Shemaim, you're doing it for Hashem. Hashem will give you the words to say, and and, by Hashem, you'll help people forget their sins and forget all of their desires in the past. But if not, if you're doing it for money, if you're doing it because you want to get fame and fortune, then it's actually going to create sin. How is it going to create sin? In a few ways. First of all, you could turn yourself into one of these babot. Very easy to become a baba, which is an outright criminal that is chilul Hashem walking. These people that tell you that they're Mekubalim, they're all these special holy people, and if you donate $1,000 to them, they'll give you this special weird water that they just filled up from the fountain, by the way, in this weird little bottle, and your disease will go away. Or if you pay them $15,000, they'll give you a black book that you can't read because it's in Aramaic and no one speaks the language. But that's going to take away your Ayinara because Ainara is the problem. It's not that you violate Shabbat is the problem. Ayinara is the problem. And all these liars and thieves that fool people turning Avodat Hashem, turning the servicing of Hashem, turning His Torah into Avodah Zarah, into idol worship. And who do they do it with? They do it with fools, naive people. People usually that are secular, that don't keep anything. They go to these people that look weird, they have these weird clothes on and they always wear glasses even though it's the middle of the night. And they have always like a few really, really big books. That no one ever opens and sometimes actually one guy said a story he said one time i actually opened the book and it was mickey mouse it was a disney book i told the guy you're not ashamed of yourself you have a mickey mouse book you called yourself Mekubal. he kicked me out and he had the people almost beat me up because nobody ever touched the book before so people go to him they don't know anything they don't know shabbat they don't know kosher they don't know tarat mishpacha they come to him with mini skirts and tank tops, and say, "No, I have slum problems." Oh, you have einara, you have einara. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, I have einara, einara, einara. Oh, I, I'm really, really sick. Yeah, you have einara. Everybody has einara. Everybody has evil eye. Everybody, everybody has evil eye, evil eye, evil eye. I'm not saying evil eye is not right. It's even in the Gemara. Gemara Masechet says evil eye is real, but it's a very cheap way of dealing with it. Very cheap way. Say. I am of the descendant of Yosef at Sadiq that is above Aynara. That's it. Finished. Learn Torah. You finished with Aynara. Finish. You don't need to do anything. But Aynara is very much real, even to such an extent, that Rav Ovadia, Zeche Tzadik B'Vachah, in the beginning of, uh, I think, this series, Yebia Omer, beginning of every one of the books, the series of books, Voh Hashem, very, very, one of the most successful series of all time. He actually wrote... Hashem, there's these lishayim that have aynara on me that are trying to, uh, trying to uh, take me down. Please protect me from them. It's very much real. It's not like, aynara is not false. But it's assuming you keep all the mitzvot. If you're not keeping Shabbat, aynara is the least of your problems. If you're married intermarried, Aynarai is the least of your problems. If you're not modest, Aynarai is the least of your problems. Doesn't matter to you because Hashem considers someone that's not mechales Shabbat. He considers their prayer disgusting. Toavat Hashem. You think that book, the Disney book, the guy's giving you that you're not going to read anyway, is uh, is going to help you? Keep Shabbat, keep Kosher, keep something. So now what happens? People that are wicked that have their God is money they turn themselves into these weird looking babas and they take advantage of the people and there's one poor woman a few months ago I heard about this story from Rabbi Zitron he tells me this poor lady went doesn't know anything the woman is mamash half naked all the time doesn't matter if it's summer if it's winter it's, it doesn't matter New York, LA it doesn't make a difference the woman is mamash doesn't know doesn't know that you're supposed to put clothes on she thinks her and a giraffe almost the same thing mamash no clothes on, no Shabbat, no kosher, no tar- nothing. But she had a few difficulties, whatever the difficulties were. She went to this mekubal, mekubal in Brooklyn. Everybody knows this mekubal in Brooklyn. He tells her, yeah, you have ala buy this book and everything is going to be okay. She bought the book for $15,000. $15,000 for a book. I told the guy listen do me a favor how about you keep the book I'll just take it to Staples make a few copies you keep the money I'll pay you 500 bucks for the copies $15,000 for the book she thinks that's going to solve our problems so Rabbi Dutton tells her listen did he tell you about keeping Shabbat? He says, no did he tell you about modesty? he goes no he sat right next to him somebody said would not even allow a woman to sit next to him when she looks like that Sit next. sit in the same room as him but what happens? She doesn't know anything. She thinks that, you know, Judaism is some type of cult of weird things. And people are making all of these weird, strange things as if they're part of Judaism. They're not part of Judaism. Judaism is based on Torah and mitzvot. There's a few skulot here and there that you can do. But in general, none of those skulot are going to work for you if you're not considered part of Am Yisrael. You could read all the telim in the world. You could wear all the red strings and the white strings and the blue strings and all those stupid strings that people buy for a lot of money. And you could buy all the books in the world and you could have a whole shelf full of sifre kodesh. If you don't read them and say what, say, and do what they say, it's all worthless. A book is only holy once you read it. Otherwise, it's just paper. But people are turning Judaism into some form of idol worship where they say, no, 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 I'm going to read tehillim six times a week. I'm going to read this telim and that telim and that Telim and everything's going to be fine. Okay, what about Shabbat? What about family purity? What about working on your midot, your character traits? What about kosher? What about all those other, you know, basic level Judaism? Judaism 101, what about that? No? Just the telim is going to save you? Where does it say that? What source says that? Who said that? Nonsense. So first and foremost, you have to understand, none of those z'gulot, whether they're real or not real, and many of them are not real, by the way. Many of them have no source in the Torah. If it doesn't have source in the Torah, it's nonsense. Whatever z'gulot you're going to have, first of all, if you're ever going to do it, you should only do it after you're already fulfilling the entire Torah, where you're comfortable with everything that you know. Maybe you don't know the entire Torah, but everything that you know, you're already doing. That's number one. Number two... There's a source for this gula. It's not like you heard from this guy who heard from this guy who said that Rabbi Nachman said it, or that uh, Rilvavit said it, or some other guy said it. No, you have a source. There's a source. It's somewhere in the Torah, somewhere in the Gemara, somewhere in the Zohar. Somewhere, somewhere. Not like you heard. Even the thing that they say about Rabbi Nachman, or they say about the, the Arizal, all these things, a lot of the things are not real. Like they say that uh, Rabbi Nachman said... That uh, anyone that wears the, uh, you know, payers and you know, has, has the whole uh, uniform of the Hasidim, he's going to take him out of Gehenom. The problem is, they forgot the rest of what he said. What was the rest of what he says? Only if he follows the entire Shulchan Aruch. Meaning, only if he follows the all of the mitzvot of Judaism, but he made a few sins, because there's no such thing as someone that's righteous without sins you make a few sins those few sins you have to clean them up if you don't suffer in this world you going not have to suffer in the next world he says if he fulfilled the entire Torah but he made a few sins because of the extra merit that he has I'll pull him out early that has something in it but to say that just because you have some payas you're not going to go to Genom and what re- what he really said is a pretty far distance Or saying that the Arizal, I heard this also about a week or two ago. Somebody said this to me. Um, She says that, uh, yeah, this guy told me that whoever goes to the uh, Mikveh of the Arizal, which is freezing cold, is going to Gan Eden. Not going to be in Ganon. Because he's going to do tshuva. What are I really say? What do you actually really say? If you go to my mikveh and you follow the entire shulchan aruch, then I'll give you the iruim, meaning the inclination, the feeling, the desire to do full tshuva. I'll give you the desire to do full tshuva, but desire to do full tshuva and getting out of geinom. And going to Gan Eden guaranteed is it's a big, pretty long distance. It's from here to Mars back 50 times. So that's the thing. People are making up things. Also, last but not least, these red strings. These red strings. I've talked about this in the past, but for some reason people still wear them. People wear them for a year, two years. Oh, I've been showering with it for three years. People don't understand. The, the only source in the Torah that talks about red strings is when it talks about idol worship. That's where the idol worshipers If you talk about Judaism with strings, it's white. It's not red. And even the ones that maybe or maybe not mention red strings, it's in Kabbalah. Which most people don't even understand, let alone do. So it's more likely connected to idol worship than it is connected to Judaism. So people are... Mamash, before you do any of these things, you have to ask somebody who knows. You have to verify. Don't just be a... You know, some... Fool, naive person just thinks just because you're wearing a string, everything's going to be okay. Or just because you spent $15,000 on a book, everything's going to be okay. You have to follow what Torah says. It's not a, a uh, get-rich-quick scheme. It takes time. So now, Rabban Gabnet is telling you here, even if you're one of those people that teaches other people, don't put yourself in a situation that's not good. Meaning, don't put yourself in a situation where you're trying to make money out of this Torah, because if you're trying to make money out of this Torah, if you're trying, if you're turning this Torah that you learned into a business where that's your primary goal, you're only going to go give a lecture because they're paying you, not because you're helping them do tshuva, not because you even care if they do tshuva. You're not going to do the shabbaton because hopefully you're going to save a few marriages. You do the shabbaton because they're going to pay you fifteen, twenty thousand dollars. You wrote a book, you want a few people to buy it, you want this, you're trying to make money out of your Torah. Then Rabbi Yonah says, then you're going to end up accepting gifts from the wicked people. And you're going to end up flattering the wicked in order to curry favor with them. Meaning, then you're going to turn into a worse rasha than them. Why? Because what are you going to do? You're going to sell your soul for money. You're going to start... Accepting money from wicked people, but call them tzaddikim. Yeah, tzaddik, tzaddik, he gives tzaddikah 15,000 dollars. It doesn't matter, you murdered 18 people this week. Chazaku Baruch, you, you, you financed our building. Chazaku Baruch, you have a family of tzaddikim. What tzaddikim? This guys a rasha. Rasha Merusha, he has a pornographic company. He has, you know, clubs. He has this. He causes Am Yisrael to sin. You call him a tzaddik? What tzaddik? He's a rasha. Guys financing pornography. The guys financing people going in into these uh, nightclubs. The guys financing all the things that are against the Torah. You call him a tzaddik? Why you call him a tzaddik? Because money is your god. Money is your god, not God. And that, my friend, he's telling you when you turn the Torah into business, all it's going to do is going to turn your whole operation to chilul Hashem. It's going to create sins because anyone that is going to be a public servant has to do it for the sake of heaven meaning you have to have a real desire to help people if you're doing it for the sake of heaven if you're doing it for Kavod Hashem you're doing it for the honor of Hashem for the fulfillment of the Torah then you're going to have then the merit of the merit of their ancestors will assist them and their righteousness will endure forever meaning if you're really doing it for Shema, you're doing it really for Shemaim, then any success you're going to have, you're going to have success. You're going to say the right thing at the right time. You're going to say the right thing to the right person. You're not going to say the wrong thing to the wrong person and so on and so forth. But by the way, don't think it's your merit. It's not your merit. It's their merit. Don't even t- even though you're doing it for Hashem. He's reminding you. It's Musar for the speaker. Even though you're doing it for Hashem, you're going to give a lecture two hours away from your house. You're doing it for Hashem. You're not asking for money. Everything is kosher. The fact that Hashem gives you the things to say, the fact that people will do tshuva, the fact that people will start getting stronger and closer to Hashem, it has nothing to do with you, even though you're doing it for Hashem. Who's it for? It has to do with them. It's their merit. Why they had the merit to being, to wanting to bring the truth. They had the merit to welcoming the truth. They had the merit to accepting the truth when they finally heard it and doing tshuva and doing listening to. It's their merit, not yours, my friend. So yeah, you have a nice, interesting story from Wall Street to the Western Wall. But it's still not your merit. It's just an interesting story. Reason why you're getting Siat Dishmaya is because the people in the crowd, they have a merit. their ancestors, they're the they're the descendants of Abraham Tsaq and Yaakov. Maybe they also have a grandfather or grandmother that's a tzadikah or a tzadik. And the fact that they're even welcoming, listening, and obeying the truth, it's their merit. So, even the credit for your big mitzvah, you're not even allowed to take. And you, public servant, okay, so what do I get at the end? Guy wants to do Kiruv. Guy who wants to do for free. Do this, do that. Until finally somebody donates, your soul comes out of your body. So, what do you do? He says, and you, public servant, will be fully rewarded for your efforts as though you achieved what you wished. Don't worry. Hashem is doing everything. But I'll pay you like you did it. I know you wanted them to do chuba. I know you wanted to teach them. I know you want to do all those things. You really didn't do it. Because in reality, the Torah that you have, I gave you. The wisdom you had, I gave you. The air in your lungs, I gave you. The effort you had came from the Torah that I gave you. Everything I gave you. But because you had the desire and you had the right to decide whether to fear the Almighty or not, whether to honor the Almighty or not, I'll pay you as if you did all of it, even though in reality, Hashem did everything. So this is one of the things that someone needs to understand is that when you're doing Kiruv, it applies to all of us, not just the speaker. Why? Because when you're doing Kiruv, You have a special merit that no one else has. The Rambam and Mieri both say the same thing based on the uh, Gemara Yerushalmi uh, Masechet Gittin. It says, God rewards those who toil for the benefit of the community even for mitzvot that they fail to fulfill. Meaning, even, let's say, for example, you wanted to have Onik Shabbat. wanted to enjoy Shabbat, but what happened? Somebody... Knocks on your door in the afternoon of Shabbat. Listen, I want to get a divorce. You stop your Shabbat, try to help him not to get a divorce. You want to have Onik Shabbat? I want to have an abortion. You stop your Shabbat, you try to convince them not to have an abortion. Not to commit murder. You want to have Onik Shabbat, somebody else knocks, oh, can you give us a shiur? A ah, shiur, I'm dead tired right now, what's shiur? You stop your Shabbat, you give him a shiur. What are you going to do? You want to fulfill this mitzvah of Onik Shabbat. But you can't. Why? Because you're doing, you're serving the community. You want to fulfill the learning 10 hours a day. But you can't because you're giving shulim, and you can't learn during that time. And you're not necessarily willing, you're not able to learn what you want to learn. You have to learn what you need to learn. So if you're doing it for the community, even for the mitzvot that you fail to fulfill, Hashem will give it to you. Even though there's a general rule in the Torah, there's a rule of thumb in the Torah that contradicts all of this. Honest love keman de'avid, meaning one who does not perform a mitzvah due to some type of circumstance behind, beyond his own control cannot be credited with performing it. Meaning, if let's say, for example. You wanted to go to B'Knesset in the morning. You wanted to go to Netz. And uh, you got a flat tire. You got a flat tire in a way. You figured, okay, Hashem is going to pay me. I wanted to go to B'Knesset, but it's not my fault that I got a flat tire. The Mariah Usami says, no, you're not getting a mitzvah. You're not getting a mitzvah. You didn't go to B'Knesset. You're not getting paid. Okay, but I wanted to do this mitzvah. You're not getting paid. It's rule of thumb. Except if you are a public servant except if you care about Am Yisrael and you try to help them do tshuva what about effort? congratulations, you got paid for effort but for the execution of the mitzvah you didn't get you get paid for effort but you don't get paid for execution of the mitzvah so yes, you get partial but not full so just like a lawyer that lost the case you still pay him $50,000 because he charges you by the hour but if you would have won the case you would have paid him 400000 but here he's telling you here, if you try but you failed, okay, you'll get paid for the effort, but you didn't actually get to Bekneset. You're not getting paid for going to Bekneset. But if you make it an issue in your life to do Kiruv, to support Kiruv, to be part of Kiruv, then my friend, you have a different Cheshbon. Then you have a different account in Shemaim. The prophet Daniel in chapter twelve, verse three says this Vamaskilim is a hip is a hiru, Kazora Kiomattika Bimkikohabim Lolam Vaid the wise will shine like the radiance of the firmament and those who teach righteousness to the multitudes will shine like the stars forever and ever so if you are a righteous person you learn Torah and you are Tamit Chacham you're gonna shine other you get to Allah Abba after we finish our job in this world you shine like the heavens But if you teach righteousness, you help other people do tshuva, you give them a CD, you teach them, you bring them over to your Shabbat to help them out in any way you can, you bring them to shiur. If you're involved constantly with doing q, five minutes a day, a half hour a day, an hour a day, whatever you can do, but it's on a regular basis, you will shine like the stars forever and ever. Why is it stars? Because the stars are higher than the heavens. You'll be separate amongst all. You'll be separated from everyone else to such an extent that you cannot even compare a person that's involved in Zikriya Rabim to the rest of the world. In Igmarah Masechet Bar Batra, page 9a, the sages say the one that inspires others to do good and to fulfill their duties has even a greater merit the one who does the same good on his own resources, meaning, even if you're righteous, you learn Torah, you do this, you write a book, you you know, you, you write your own little journal, everything else, okay, chazaku baruch. But helping one guy at Shabbat filin, and watching his wheat to his life on a permanent basis, different world, different level. It's much more valuable than you doing the mitzvah yourself, even. Why? The Magid from Konitz, from Koznitz, said, what is this like? Why is it such a big deal for Hashem that one Jew helps another Jew do tshuva? He says, the king certainly derives more pleasure from something done for his child than from something done for his own behalf. So one that's involved with the community for the sake of heaven, is thereby taking care of the kid, of the king's children. So for example, if you have a king, and you say, okay listen, it's the king's birthday. King's birthday. So, oh, the king already has everything. Okay, you're going to buy him a present, you're going to buy him, I don't know, tickets to show you're going to buy him a gemara you're going to buy him something nice you're going to do something nice throw him a party but he already has everything whatever you're going to do it for the kavod he's going to say thank you but if you save this child from murderers, rapers and pedophiles and bring him back home you my friend might as well already become the next king that's how much he loves you because you just saved this kid now you don't have to necessarily be a professional speaker to do this. If you can speak, speak. If you can't speak, then do everything you can to get involved with it. Give CDs out, post the videos, make videos, whatever you can, there's a million and a half ways which we talked about in the past of how you can do Ziqui'a Abim. Because the merit, the, the significance of it is so big that... The Zohar Kadosh says anyone who knows the the significance of helping somebody else do tshuva will literally stop doing everything that they're doing and start running around crazy in the streets looking for people to help them do tshuva. Now of course, you can only do it as far as if you're speaking or if you're trying to encourage other people to do. Technically, you can do it under all conditions, but in reality, people are only going to receive what you're saying if you're doing it yourself. Meaning, if you're mechalel Shabbat, you can't really tell people, hey, listen, you should keep Shabbat. Because in essence, what you're saying is that the Torah is a joke and everyone else has to listen to it except you. So, obviously, first you have to understand that you have to follow the beginning of the Mishnah. If to follow the Torah you have to keep yourself occupied doing mitzvot and then you're going to get to see it to influence other people but if you're going to do it just for the purpose of kavod to tell people what to do you know some people like that some people like to just boss people around usually people love to do it on the phone with customer service ever notice that everybody's a hero with customer service? guy wants to buy a computer. The computer's not on time. He yells at the guy he doesn't even know from India. What do you mean? What terrible service you have. You should be ashamed of yourself. If the guy was next to you, you wouldn't say it to him. Or everybody gets uh, gets upset at the people at the counter. Or the waiter. Ah, could you cook a steak like this? What an embarrassing... Start embarrassing the guy. Like he cooked the steak on purpose just to make you upset. People are always heroes against people that are providing them a service. No need to do that. No need to run people and treat them like slaves they're not your slaves the key here is to understand that if you're going to do it for Shemaim most important part is to think about Kavod Hashem honor of Hashem you're a representative of Hashem and you're not doing it for any major respect or honor or benefit other than that to such an extent that in Gemara Masechet Orayot page 10 A and B Rabban Gamliel decided that he's going to help a few rabbis. A few rabbis, a few Tamidim Chachamim. Few, uh, they knew a lot of Torah. And many of them were very poor. He said, let me help them, give them big positions. To help them financially and also to spread their Torah. Make them famous. So he reached out to Rabbi Lazar Chasma. And Rabbi Yochanan Godgeda. He reached out to both of them and he said, I want to make you two big rabbis. And they rejected it. Now who were these two rabbis? Rabbi Lazar Asma and Rabbi Yochanan Godgeda. Their wisdom, the Gemara says, was to such an extent that they could tell you how many drops of water are in the ocean. Anybody here know how many drops are in just a cup? They knew how many drops of water are in the ocean. To think about it, already I'm getting tired. Just to think about what they knew, I'm already tired from using my entire brain cells. Their wisdom was different world. We can't even think about what they can think about. But they didn't have even bread to eat or clothing to where that poor like we say today ah this guy is poor I mean poor like he has a Honda Accord and a house that's worth $150,000 that's poor that poor we say here no the guy is uh, homeless he doesn't have uh, you know any food to eat meaning that he ate like three hours ago he ate at McDonald's he didn't have like a four course meal he didn't eat he didn't eat in a long time what five hours ago he didn't eat dollar menu no in this time there's actually people in the world still today that mamash don't have food to eat a lot of the tzaddikim have this extra nisayon extra test in life of poverty which is mamash unbelievable it's already difficult enough to learn Torah but they're at such a high level that Hashem even increases their test by giving them an additional test of panasa, but also giving the rest of us an opportunity to have the merit of helping them of fulfilling the mitzvah, the Rambam said, or financing them, like the person I talked about in a couple of lectures. I said there's a huge tamit chacham in Yerushalayim. Several of them, there's one particular guy that we've been trying to help, oh Hashem. Ramaj got to a point where they shut off his electricity. His daughter was walking around the street with ripped clothes. And his wife got into such a depression she doesn't want to leave the house. And this guy is such a talmid chacham that my Rav, which is like I don't know, his wisdom is uh, I don't know, he was born the wrong generation. He's something special, something much special. He calls him a gone He says, This guy's a a Genius. So this guy is such a high level, but he doesn't have food to eat. So next year Boko Hashem, somebody, you know, a few people have chipped in and they're trying to help, we're trying to send him some money. But it exists. But even then. It's not the same level as these two rabbis. Why? Because here he's saying they didn't even have clothes to wear. They had to stay at home. Because they had only one thing to wear. And you know, if you wear different things all the time, you go out and about, you ruin it. They didn't even have bread to eat. And still, Rabban Gamble is offering them a job where they're going to make a lot of money. They're going to make a lot of money. Be a rabbi. You learn to all your whole life. You know how many drops of water in the ocean. Use this taught to teach Amishai they say no 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 we don't want the job so Rabban who himself was a giant saw oh you're rejecting it because you're scared that if you get the job people are going to give you too much honor that your kvod Hashem is going to go down that you're going to get too much respect from the public and that me. create Gavah in your heart you going you know, have arrogance not to worry the job I'm giving you is not a job of pride but a job of slavery working as a rabbi for the tzibul, for the public is outright slavery so Gamliel is saying this all day I give people give you headaches, all day they complain you say this they complain, you say that they complain you give them the answer they complain, you don't give them the answer they complain Because what are you worried about pride for? Helping the community, helping the public has to be for Shema. Because if it's not for money there's no other benefit out of it other than Kvod Hashem. Other than Kvod Hashem. So in Gemara to finish it off The Gemara HaMasechen Darim, page 37a, uses the book of Deuteronomy, Parashat Vayetchanan. It says, chapter 4, verse 14, Moshe Rabbeinu says, אדוני ומשפטים Moshe Abenu says to Am Hashem commanded me at that time to teach you the decrees and ordinances that you shall perform them in the land to which you cross to possess it. So the Gemara explains that what is the meaning behind this? I mean of course we know that Moshe Rabbeinu was commanded to teach them. But here Moshe Rabbeinu is telling him, listen Did I charge you a $1,000 for each class? Did I uh, force you people to uh, buy me houses and cars? No. I taught you for free because that's what Hashem commanded me. You must teach for free because that's what Hashem commanded you. So when you're doing Zikuiya Rabim, the last and final question is, how are you going to survive? How do you survive? Now all of you know I've told you already, I retired from Wall Street I, don't, I retired out of business I don't work How does Rabbi Mizrahi survive? How do I survive? How do people survive when they do this? If they're not doing it for money If you're not charging for a lecture If you're not that So first and foremost, as the Rambam said The community is, is, has to finance them So Baruch Hashem, Hashem sends us different people That help us different, different ways Hashem sends different shlichim Different messengers to help People that understand this mitzah, they fulfill it But on the other hand, it said, don't do it for money. didn't mean don't do it for money, meaning that you're not allowed to eat. It meant that if you're spending your entire time doing Kiruv, and you're going to use the money for Kiruv, then every single thing that you do is a mitzvah. But if you're doing it, if you're developing relationships with reshaim, with different wicked people, and you're telling them that Tzadikim, even though... They're violating the Torah left and right, but you're only saying they're tzaddikim because they're going to donate a hundred thousand dollars. They're going to donate ten thousand dollars. They're going to build you a new kitchen. You know, you're developing a relationship because oh no, this guy yeah he's going to be building build a new kitchen. I'm going to tell him he's a tzaddik. This guy is going to do the remodeling of the of the uh, living room. I'm going to call him a tzaddik too. This guy oh yeah he's going to give me a discount on the car that I want. That guy's going to pay for the discount. And You develop relationships with people just for money purposes, that's not mitzvah, it's avirah, it's a sin. But if you actually are going to use this money, use stakah, for the purpose of rebuking those people, there's no problem with it. Meaning, if you get stakah, and it causes you to not rebuke people, then like the chidah says, the day that the uh, Torah went bankrupt is when the rich people started giving money to rabbis, which increased Chilul Hashem, and no one was able to rebuke them. Meaning, the rich people started giving money to rabbis, and the rabbis became scared of telling them, listen, you're making sins. So what happened? So these rich people started running the show. They started becoming the board of directors at Shules. They started telling the rabbi, listen, you can't say this, you can't say that, you can't bring this guy, you can't bring that guy. They started running the show. So what happens? Chilul Hashem increased and no one was able to tell them anything. So Chidas says that's when the Torah declared bankruptcy. Meaning, no one's there to rebuke them because they're not using the money for K'vod Hashem. They're using the money to build bigger synagogues. They're using money to build bigger houses for themselves, bigger kitchens, bigger this, bigger that. But not one person did tshuva in the Rebbe Knesset in 25 years. But if you're going to get money from the public in order for you to rebuke them and remind them, listen, you're already giving donations and that means you know the truth. If you know the truth, that means you have to follow the truth. And you're obviously helping those very same people do tshuva and use that money to help other people do tshuva. And the Rambam calls you Kodesh Kodeshi. So each and every single one of you has an opportunity to be involved in this in one way or another. If you're able to speak, you have speaking skills, get yourself a group of people. Get three, four, five, ten people, fifty people, as you can see. Not every shiwa has a lot of people. Sometimes I have shiwa's in uh, New York, forty, fifty, sixty people. Sometimes it's five hundred people. Sometimes, yeah, I have three people. It doesn't make a difference. Why? Because it goes on the internet. Once you go on the internet, Bo Hashem, the other the Nishmai, Hashem will send it in different places. People from Australia, people from... Middle East people from Africa people from uh, all over the US Canada anywhere you want six continents six continents we've been in already either they have CDs or they watch videos even I think Tahiti has CDs it's unbelievable you put it on YouTube you get the people in Baruch Hashem we have different people that are volunteering at a time to helping us make movies to, to appeal to people and uh uh, about Torah or helping us with uh, different types of videos uh, publicizing the Torah on the internet Bo Hashem it's one tzaddik joined the team just uh, yesterday or the day before he's in the advertising business and he says listen the Kiruv movie you made the 14 minute movie he says it really touched me I want to budget it I want to spend money to get this movie to hit at least 1 million people whatever it costs I'll do it and he's going to bo Hashem he's going to run this uh, video and perhaps a few other ones to get this video in front of many many more people which costs money, it's not always free to get it we're doing it for free, we're getting a certain amount of people but he wants to get it to many many more people much much faster which requires money but that's the istadlut. each one of you can have a share in the world to come not only through your own marriage but also through getting other people to do it you have CDs, sponsor CDs. You can't sponsor CDs, I'll give it to you for free, give them out to people. But don't take 500 CDs, 300 CDs, 100 CDs, or even 50 CDs if they're just going to sit in your car for five years. If you, you know, if you have CDs, go. Go to the supermarket, put 25 there. Put 50 there, depending on the size of the supermarket. Put 100 there. People are taking it, put it there. Don't keep them for reserves. There's always more. You know, it's 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 not it's not it's not a mitzvah to keep it in your house, to keep them in your car. It's a mitzvah to give them to people. Oh, you always have a few left, but in general, the large quantities give them out, get into people's hands. If you don't have money to do it again. Like I told you, I'll give you CDs. If you have money, then help. If you have people that you need more than just a CD in a whole package, you could sponsor a Kiruv package, like we talked about in the past. If you don't have whatever, we'll, we'll find a way. We'll get it to them. Either way, there's a lot of different ways that you could get get Kiruv done. Another thing is, set up shiurim. Get a group of people, get 10, 50, 100, 200 people together in one place, we'll come, we'll do a shiur bezal Hashem. There's a lot of different things you can do to do Kiruv because again, you arrange a shiur, 50 people show up to the shiur, three people start keeping shabbat at the end of the shiur, who's better than you? and that's the thing it's, it's easy it's easy mitzvot the problem is that every one of us got used to the giant diamonds that are walking around us that we think is just glass so nobody's picking it up there's a bunch of diamonds to pick up everywhere there's a bunch of Jews that don't know anything you just show them one CD one video one lecture they'll start keeping Shabbat because in generally most Jews are not not keeping it on purpose they're not keeping it because they don't know But get it to them. But don't get to a point where it's making you fall. Meaning, don't go to the clubs to go find Baal etshuva. You're not at that level. Don't go to the clubs and say, no, no, I'm going to go find all these people, all this uh, Israeli party for Hanukkah. I'm going to go there and i give them CDs in the club. We're not at that level there was a rabbi that's at that level we're not at his level we have to do simple give CDs, give lectures arrange lectures in normal places don't make a sin in order to make a mitzvah because remember we have to listen to this whole mishnah complete we have to make sure that our mind is constantly occupied with mitzvot constantly occupied with torah we're constantly chasing off the Yetzirah with our Torah. We're constantly chasing the Mitzvot. And little by little, we're earning our way to Olam Abba that looks good. Any questions? I know as soon as I turn off the tape there's at least 500 questions. So... Baruch Adonai Leolam. Amen amen.